wasn't discrimination. And you have the nerve, no, no, you have the nerve to sit there on your high horse and preach to these bottom feeding dwellers who sit in the chat room like Alliance Blog, who's been doing this for over a decade, still only got 2,000 followers. Yeah, I see you. you're a jabroni and a ham sandwich, and I don't want to hear from you ever again about what the NWA is supposed to do. This is what pro wrestling is supposed to be. This is what the NWA is supposed to be. No, no, no. You don't tell anyone what the NWA is supposed to be, and you certainly don't lecture me about what the NWA is supposed to be. I made the NWA. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Frazier, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast. Now, I'm not alone. No, I got my buddy right here. Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast. Is that a spot of tea? Uh, yeah, a spot of tea, y'all. Yes, it is. This is your home for the news and information para los National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal. With me, of course, is my good friend, Mr. DKM. And we're here every Thursday night to talk to you about the National Wrestling Alliance. We're going to talk NWA USA. We're going to talk NWA Power. We're also going to talk about this pay-per-view, oh. Always Ready, and, and so much more. But Mr. DKM, how are you this evening? How are you doing, pal? Well, I'm fat, so I guess I'm happy. <laughs> that ain't true, man, because I'm fat and miserable. Well, whose fault is that? Is that my fault? Or no? I don't know. It's my fault. And why is my microphone all the way over here? Can you guys hear me all right? Do I sound cool? Is this better? Is this better or worse? No, we, don't really, we don't really listen to you, so... See, me and Media M5, we're in this together, man. We ain't happy and we's fat. <laughs> well, uh, so, that's not my fault. All right, that's fair. It's not your fault. Um, wow. So this doesn't seem to be like a very uh, big noteworthy news 
cycle here for pro wrestling. I mean, uh, we talked about all those, uh, well, we didn't talk about, but I'm sure many of you have been talking about some of the names that have been released by the WWE. Uh, we did a poll, a very super scientific poll on the uh, Instagram account for alliance-wrestling.com. And in a landslide victory, 100% of everyone who voted wanted to see Sam Shaw return to the NWA. DKM, how do you feel about Sam Shaw? Well, I wouldn't mind if Sam Shaw returns as long as he's not Dexter Loomis. I ain't talking about the name. I'm talking about the gimmick specifically. You know, the problem is sometimes you like a person, they go off to the, you know, big show, they get a new name, they get a new gimmick, and then when they come out, they go, well, that's how people know me, so I'm going to name myself something similar. I'm going to be Lexter Dumas. Lexter Dumas. How about Lexter Dumas? Yeah, something like that. And I'm going to have the same gimmick. And it's just like, yeah, I didn't like that when you were on NXT. I liked your talent in the ring, but I didn't like the gimmick. So hopefully he comes out back at Sam Shaw. Well, I think the um, for you, for, for what you're saying, I think um, the added bonus, the added potential is that, um, you know, he did have a little bit of time in the NWA before joining NXT. Now he's always had that weird kind of like stalker type vibe. I mean, he carried that over from impact and he was, Oh, very, sure. He's been a serial killer. Yeah. And he was very obsessive compulsive about the national title. Remember he drew Willie Mack naked holding the national title. Um, that was kind of his thing is drawing people. I, people forget about that, but there was a thing in championship wrestling from Hollywood that back then they were connected to the, the NWA and uh, Willie Mack and and Dexter, or excuse me, Sam Shaw had that feud about the national title, and uh, Sam Shaw wanted the belt. So, anyways, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Sam Shaw make a return, especially when you look at this roster, the way that it was uh, constructed back in 2019. It was always a murder's row of guys who can cut promos and guys who kind of fit kind of kind of break the mold of the independent pro wrestler guys range in size between six foot two and six four anywhere between 220 and 280 in terms of weight um you had a lot of hosses in the nwa i think if sam shaw were to return uh to the nwa he would be you know probably in the same kind of uh discussion as guys like anthony mayweather jacks dane chris adonis tom latimer i mean it, it's similar guys in that similar mold these do you agree, disagree? No, I mean, I agree, and he would fit in well with that group. Yeah. So if he's, if he's booked well, he'd fit in well with the group. I, this has been an interesting week in wrestling just in general. Uh, I watched a couple of things from Raw and a couple of things from uh, – AEW, that's what they're called. That's what they're called, AEW. And I'm going to, not because I heard they were great matches, but almost because I heard they were weird angles in that type of thing. Okay. Or that they didn't, or that the reaction's not what you would expect it to be and things like that. And so, 
uh, I'll talk about later as we talk about the shows, because one of the things actually directly changed my opinion on something I saw on the NWA in and how I considered it. So it'll it'll be interesting to talk about the shows. But before we talk about the shows, Jay, you owe me something. Okay. I'm not sure what I owe you, but uh, do tell. You owe me a list of five things the NWA is doing right and five things you would like them to do better at. We did have this conversation, and I do owe you this list. And and I did come up with some things, and 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 I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna present that to you, our audience, and you could agree with me or disagree with me. Um, but DKM, uh, like you just suggested, asked me what I thought were the five things that the NWA is doing right. I think you also asked me for five things that they're doing wrong. But let's stay positive. That's the way I phrased it. Yeah, I mean, look. To make it simplistic, let's say five positive things, five not-so-positive things. Well, I think the first positive thing that the NWA has done as of recent weeks has capitalized on this the, the change of ownership in Ring of Honor. Over the last few months, we've seen a surplus of Ring of Honor talent appear in the NWA. In fact, ever since they shut their doors down uh, last year, um, we got an influx of really good talent from ring of honor and i'm talking matt taven rhett titus uh obviously uh mike bennett um we've seen the uh the briscoes touchdown in the nwa um they're utilizing homicide a lot more than what they were um and i feel like that is all be due to their them capitalizing unfortunately on the dismissal of ring of honor um so I think that's one thing that they did positive is they, they brought in some pretty good talent that was available to them. Um, and hopefully that's not the end of it because not everybody who left Ring of Honor, not everyone from Ring of Honor will be joining this new AEW Ring of Honor uh, promotion. It seems like very few will be. Um, you know, Rhett Titus has, has been around quite a bit. Uh, we see the Briscoes have... You know, just recently challenged for the world tag team titles. And like Matt Taven just said on, on TV this week, and we'll get more to that later, uh, that he wants a shot at the 10 pounds of gold. So uh, evidently, I don't think he's going anywhere either. So I, I really feel like the capital, capital, let me try that again, capitalizing on the talent that's been made available because of Ring of Honor, I think is one of the good things that they've done. Okay, so that's one. Um, a second thing that I felt that they've done really, really well is how they've booked Camille, your woman's world champion in the NWA is treated as such like a monster, like she's undefeated. And I'm not going to say Goldberg-esque, but very close to being in that uh, same discussion where there's only been a handful of times that I felt like that title was in peril. One of them was at Crockett Cup. But most matches you see uh, Camille in, she's very dominant. Um, and I feel like she keeps getting better each and every time I see her. How do you feel about that one? I think that's a good one. Uh, Camille's probably one of the things you can point to and say they've done right. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about her during her match. But, you know, she's somebody who you've seen marked improvement in over her time in the NWA. And so 
you know, her new thing is one time. She's going to be a one time NWA Women's Champion because she's never going to lose it. I, I love so, that moniker, by the way. That is such a ballsy thing to say because, I mean, we can infer so much by that. We can infer so much, like, basically, maybe she's only hanging on until she loses the title, then she's bye bye. You know, maybe she's gone. Maybe she's heading off to greener pastures. I mean, that's just one thing you can infer by that comment. The other is that she'll just never do the job. There's no one on the roster she's willing to job to. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the uh, third thing that I feel like they've done right was, uh, the Crockett cup, as much as I wanted the fixers to win the whole thing, putting the belts on, or excuse me, putting the tournament, uh, championship on the Briscoes, I think was the right move. Um, I feel like it definitely, uh, makes the tag team division a lot more fierce, because you give that credibility. The Briscoes, look, there's no tag team in the NWA more credible than the Briscoes, bar none. By them winning that tournament, you just made that tournament a lot more um, legitimate, I think is the word I'm looking for. Plus, yeah. now, now going on in the future, the legitimacy of that tournament, you know, whoever wins next year, they're going to have some big shoes to fill with the Briscoes. But also on top of that, we've had one really good tag team match between La Rebellion and the Briscoes. And this might, you know, this might continue to lead to matches like that. So I think that was another good move. Okay. Full agreement. So that's, I've got three now, right? You got three. Yep. The reintroduction to the World Junior Heavyweight Championship. I know that going into it, there was a lot of qualms you and I had, especially about the tournament and some of the names that were invited to play and some names that were not invited to play. But all in all, I feel like that junior heavyweight title and division has become somewhat of a bright spot for the NWA. I feel like Homicide is doing a terrific job representing the division and being champion, and some of the victories he's already had in the NWA have been pretty damn stellar. I would say right now he's being used better than Matt Cardona. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And the thing about it, too, is uh, and I don't know if you said this. I think you did. Um, we don't know what Matt Cardona's bookings were before becoming World's Heavyweight Champion. It was kind of, uh, from what I've been told, it, was, it wasn't decided until the day of that they were going to put the belt on him. And if that's true all those bookings that he had lined up prior to winning the title were not booked to be NWA world title matches. So, uh, you know, the world title matches that you see him defending now, which are still not a whole lot, uh, were based uh, bookings that he got after becoming champion. So, I, I, you know, depending on how long he is world champion for, again, the NWA, uh, you know, it feels like it feels like William Patrick Corgan is becoming very comfortable with Matt Cardona as champion, but I think it says quite a bit about Matt Cardona as champion when he's getting booked for shows for Halloween and he still has the, you know, or excuse me, the week before Halloween and he has the 10 pounds of gold in those advertisements, you know, card is always subject to change, but 
Friday, October 21st, he plans to be in Sierraville, Tennessee, as your NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. So on the very on the very surface, it seems like the NWA is very comfortable with Matt Cardona holding that 10 pounds of gold. It does. It, I mean, just flat out, if you listen to some of Billy's uh, interviews or promos or whatever you want to call them on the show, he seems very much to have tied his wagon to Cardona. Yeah. Now, whether that's good or bad, we'll see. But, you know, he's, you know, for now, he sees Cardona as somebody who can get them the exposure they need. I don't know that I fully agree with the thought, but hey, you know, if it works, then all the power to them. Then the last thing I'm going to say uh, for my things that the NWA has done right currently, um, I'm going to say that it was the right decision to have Nick Aldis lose at Crockett Cup 2022. I feel like ha- having him have. There's so many ways they could have booked this match and still kept the belt on Cardona, but having him win the match and not the title, I I feel would set up the opportunity for the NWA to be like, oh well, he deserves a rematch because he didn't. Well, no, he actually lost the match. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He lost the match, and I think that was a smarter decision than than perhaps having it be a disqualification that Cardona was DQ'd. Um. I feel like this is a much better move for the NWA. Real quick, I want to say I, Media M5 has has been on fire tonight. I haven't seen him in the chat in a while, but he's here tonight. And he said, Jack Stane used to travel with the NWA gold. It was an attraction. Fans could take pics with him and the belt as well. You just can't hold it. Um, man, I miss the Tharp era. It was the NWA needs a new fresh face and Cardona is hot right now or was at that point, just like Storm losing to Aldis. That was a new era, much needed. So I I just appreciate those comments from Media M5. And I I feel like very much what uh, very much what Matt Cardona is doing right now is very similar to what uh, happened with Aldis when he first got the title. Although the thing about Aldis winning the world's title is, you know, he took a, he took like a month off. He took he took the month of December off in 2017, and when he came back in January, that's when he kicked off that whole Aldous Crusade. So taking about a month off and then really going full speed uh, representing the NWA, that's what made Aldous's first title reign so special. The matches in the UK where he wrestled about six times in a in a month's in a month's time, and then and then all the matches for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And then going to China, and then going to Australia, and then the whole, you know, focus on all in. I mean, so much exposure for the NWA because of Nick Aldis and that time. We haven't had that same thing with Matt Cardona, but I don't believe that Matt Cardona has. You know, I, I still think it's early in his title reign, and I still think there's a lot of time for things to happen. So those are my five. DK, you look like you're frozen. And now we lost DK, but he's coming back, but he's gone. But he's trying to come back, and we'll bring him on just a momentarily. 
Hello, am I here? There you are. There he is. Now you're frozen again. You know, it'd be a funny April Fool's Day joke if you just froze and uh, we went about our day. So hopefully uh, we'll get DKM back here in just a second. But how about you guys? I mean, you heard the question that DKM asked. Uh, how many of you guys, uh, you know, what are some of the things you feel like the NWA did right in this last year? What are some of the things that you feel like the NWA has done uh, to, to grow the brand? Uh, positive things. Leave your comments. Um, going back to what you were saying, uh, media. Sorry you've been sick, man. That's that's That sucks. Uh, hope you feel better. Hope you're getting better. Um, you love the uh, Tharp era. Um, I didn't know you were working on their website. Yeah, the Tharp era was, uh, it was a mixed bag. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of promises that Bruce Tharp made to not just the fans, but also the members and the talent that never came to fruition. I mean, there was many, many things, uh, you know, there was talks that they were going to have books and we know we, we heard about the streaming service, which was essentially just the Paul Bosch library. And I mean, there's still the, the jury's still out on who actually owns that library and and what was the importance of it, of that library. Um, you know, they tried to make something out of it, but obviously it didn't really catch on the way that they had hoped for um, the, the trips to Japan, I think, were really cool. But it never, it was not a long-term thing. And, and of course, you know, some of the talents had trouble getting over because of that. You know, Chase Owens, Chase Owens was a guy who stopped using the office to get to Japan because he was not getting uh, the full salary that he was promised. Uh, DKM, I mean, you remember that, right? When, uh, you know, Chase Owens said, hey, I'm not with the NWA anymore. You know, I don't want to be booked through the NWA anymore. I'm a New Japan talent. Yep. And most of his bookings are New Japan. Well, I mean, he just won the IWGP uh, tag team titles, you know, with the whole Bullet Club reformation. Him and uh, Tokas fell. Uh, yeah. first His first New Japan title... And he's been with the company for seven years. Yeah, they're finally elevating him in a way that several people, I think, thought he would be be used. I never understood why he didn't catch on more in the United States. I mean, I've heard different things, but I don't know what the actual reason is. And then, uh, but, you know, New Japan's a place where you can make more money working a week than you can you know, two months of indies in the U.S. So, but good for um, him. I asked our audience what they thought some of the good things that have happened in the last year are. Uh, Dave Scooby said, love the junior heavyweight tournament and homicide winning and defending it, but please no more titles. <laughs> I agree, Scoop. Well, um, Billy's talking about two. Yeah, and then uh, what would Luthez said, two sold-out pay-per-views in St. Louis was a plus. TV tapings, not so much. I, I mean, there. look, there is, you know, I didn't even bring up NWA USA. Uh, it didn't even bring up the fact that they're back on YouTube. 
Um, I think both of those are positive moves for the NWA. I still think that uh, the NWA USA programming was probably better the first season, and I still think they need to tweak some things to get that straightened out um, because it feels just like the B, the B, you know, the the accessory to what you see on Power instead of its own separate show. And I think they would benefit more from a show that was, you know, legitimately its own its own vessel. All right. So now what are some five things that you're not so thrilled about or you want them to improve or they're not doing right or however you want to phrase it? Well, if you're asking my opinion, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that I feel like these quarterly television tapings and pay-per-views are hurting the company. I feel like uh, there's so many um, wrestling promotions with television at this point that do monthly TV tapings and are able to facilitate programming, uh, you know, four weeks of tapings and one tape, you know, one taping a month and get four weeks of television. I don't know why it would be so difficult for the NWA to do the same thing. And as an added bonus, if they alternated between two different shows or two different days of tapings, um, you know, they could film more content and do, you know, actually, um, deliver on that uh uh you you know one of the things on the nwa all access that they advertise is content content that's only available on the uh on fight tv but thus far um the pay-per-views are are that content but you know every tv show ends up on youtube any 10 pounds of gold ends up on youtube so i feel like uh they could really honor that commitment by doing something exclusive for a fight that never saw the YouTube channel. Um, so that's, I, I guess the first thing I would say is the, the uh, amount of TV tapings I think needs to increase. I think that's one thing that hurts the NWA. Um, I think. Okay, second, re- re- real quick on that one. Yeah. Cause I agree with you. I, I really do. But for the apologists that are out there and we know who you are, barely for the apologists who are out there, what about the thing of, well, you know, it costs money to run TV tapings and bring these people in. And, you know, this is a business and they're supposed to be making, you know, the idea is to make money, blah, 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 blah. You're, my, my response to that is exactly what Luthez just said. The world moves way too fast for quarterly tapings. Nothing makes sense by the time they get to the bottom of the barrel. Not only that, but like, look. I'm a business owner. We don't talk about what I do for a living very often on this show, but I do run my own business and there's a big chunk of what I do is reinvesting the money that I make into my business right back into the business. And over the last course of three years, four years, I've probably put another hundred thousand dollars back into my business to grow my business. Now, I don't know what Billy's spending on his television production. One time I was told that it's about $10,000 an hour of TV uh, to do studio television. That's what I was told a few years ago. Uh, And and that could be a hundred percent true. And I'm sure there's not that same kind of ROI uh, available from YouTube. I'm sure they're not making that kind of money to offset those costs. However, 
uh, between the, the premier live access and doing live events again and having merchandising. Uh, I really feel like, you know, you can't tell me, uh, oh, it costs too much money to do this. Cause if that's the case, man, get out, get out a part-time. You can't pretend to be a full-time wrestling promotion working part-time hours. I just don't feel like very that's, part-time. I don't feel like that's adequate. And, and when you look at, again, I, let's talk about championship wrestling from Hollywood. Not not the new show that they have now, but what they did, which was established blueprint for literally like 15 years, 12 years, where they did a show monthly, every month. Granted, it wasn't the same caliber stars that the NWA is using, and they were on television, not just in L.A., but uh, uh, syndicated all throughout the, out the country. If they could find a way to do that and make that profitable, are you telling me that the NWA, a legacy brand that dates back to 1948, that gets paid to be on Fight TV, that gets paid for their content on YouTube, can't find a way to, to make that work? If they can't, then, then they need to start hiring some better people and firing some of the people that are running it because it just doesn't make sense. Well, look, you know, we all we all know that, you know, no risk, no reward. And I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. Uh, the NWA will never be more than it is right now. They continue to do what they're doing right now. I don't care if you bring in John Cena. Or anybody. Yeah. Until you until you come uh, across as a bigger bigger deal. I mean, the funny thing is, ROH is gone, so you would think that a lot of the promotions have moved up a step, basically. And it's like, no, they haven't. And, you know, I used to watch MLW, and everybody knows my ball Hammerstone, I'm a big fan of. And that's all I watch. I watch his match. I don't, I don't even care about the rest of it. Von Erics are in it. I don't care. You know, it's just the the show has not been that good for a while now. So outside of watching my man, Hammerstone, you know, defend his title, I have no interest in it. And the NWA, to a large extent, depending on what week they put a show out, I don't have a lot of interest in it. You know, I do it for have a good time on Thursday nights. Stay up way too late. <laughs> Thank you for doing that, by the way. Doesn't matter, California. There was a kind of unrelated, but kind of similar. And I want to talk about this on the show. But maybe I'll just save it for later. In fact, you know what? I will. Let's get back to what we were discussing. So quarterly tapings, I think, is hurting the NWA. 100%. Um, I think... Uh, storyboarding or a lack thereof. I think the continuity issues between power and USA certainly hurt the product, the end product. And I'm not talking about the botches and the matches or the promos that air out of order. I'm talking about you have Angelina Love debut on the, on the B show on YouTube and then act like it's a big deal when she debuts on power 
Um, to me, that hurts the brand. It hurts the continuity. You've got the announcers acting like it's a big deal. Like, oh, we didn't know she was here when she was just on a program, uh, you know, six days before, five days before. It just doesn't, it's not a good look. It doesn't make the show look good. Um, what do you think about that, DK? Yeah, and I think some of that's because of the way they do film. Because, you know, the truth is, she premiered on a power taping because the USA taping was after the power taping this time. First time it was before, this time it was after. And so they really do get sideways on what's going on when and where. Yeah. And so, uh, it's, I mean, it's the same thing. It's the quarterly taping issue. So, tell me your number two. What's your number two? Come on. Well, that was my number two, but if we're going to link it back to number one, um, I would say that uh, they need to get out of um, – they get comfortable in these arenas that they're at. You know, they got very comfortable in Atlanta and did several tapings from Atlanta. They went to St. Louis and did the same tapings in the same place that they did the pay-per-views, um, which didn't pan out. Um, now they're in Nashville, and it sounds like they're going to be back in Nashville. Um, I feel like it would be better for them to try to go to new cities, different cities, not the same ones over and over again. Or at least have a good rotation. Sure. Atlanta, St. Louis. Well, I don't even know if they should take TV in St. Louis with uh, all respects to Luthez and Certified well, Hustler. Those I, St. Wouldn't Louis TV. If, I wouldn't mind if they tape it, but it's probably one of those things uh, – Look, you need to you need to do your pay per view one place, and then do your taping someplace else that you can set up more in a studio. And when I check prices around here, I, I can run a TV studio for a few hours that would be big enough to hold something like that, and you know, fifty fifty people in the audience, and. Uh, it's not outrageous, you know, like cost. It's, you know, it's cheaper than running a warehouse. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I do. I think, I think they can go different places. They don't have to film the pay-per-view in the same place that they film the TV tapings or vice versa or versa visa and so it's just a just a thought i you know well just a thought we'll leave it at that um luthez said uh the venue was the issue and four days in a row not the city plenty of venues to hold tv tapings and then sean mega says houston memphis charlotte raleigh norfolk richmond roanoke Louisville, Baltimore. I mean, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think if, if they can manage to get uh, some sort of touring schedule, but I mean, look, Oak Grove, Kentucky has been kind to them. You know, those, those, those tapings they've done, they did by any means necessary and power trip. And those tapings looked great. Um, you know, I don't know. But if there's a regular trip. fan base based out of that place. True. Let's not, let's not forget the Oak Grove power trip tapings. Are just uh, Jaden's here. Anyway, <laughs> the 
the power trip tapings are just an add-on to uh was it tried and true yeah and so which i mean if you're gonna hook out i think you've said it one time jay you know like in instead of doing these shows you know back to back in usa and power and all that it would make more sense to do a usa taping you know make tried and true a usa taping Oh man, that would be such a great idea. Or make that the power taping. Yeah. I mean, you could since they since USA is a half hour show, you can do USA in in a a day of taping. So you have your pay-per-view, you have your USA taping, and then you tape every other week or once a month that you know a, a try and true show. Uh, let let it be. I mean, of course, those all have to be work out with Crimson. He's the guy, but he seems to be still behind the scenes in the NWA and working close. Man, one, you know, run every two weeks. One week's a power show. One week's a, a tried and true show. You can have some talent crossover, but you don't have to have a ton of talent crossover. You give your fans a chance to see two different. Uh, two different promotions, two different types of wrestling or, you know, two sets of talent. I don't know. Hey, Jaden, you work for the promoter. I mean, if someone came to Dr. C and said, Hey, you know, we're going to run, we want to run monthly or, you know, this thing. And would you like to alternate every couple of weeks with us? Would, would you, would you consider that? Is it something you think about? I don't know. Doctor Z's cheap. He don't like to spend any money, so uh, I'm not sure. So he want to spend money. And running events are hard. Running monthly is tough. Let alone running weekly or bi-weekly or even quarterly. It's tough. Um, that's Do you think why it would I'm help if they were two different types of shows? Oh yeah, because the one they're doing now, they're splitting on the two, isn't any good. So maybe they'll have a, twice the chance of actually being decent. Plus, it's kind of almost like, I don't know, maybe if they have affiliates or promotions as part of a National Wrestling Alliance, maybe an alliance of a couple different promotions, maybe they all could run and give something slightly better and or slightly different. And that way, there could be a whole lot of NWA that they could record and maybe make TV out of. And you I'm know, just a thought. I mean, and as you're saying this, right, and as you're saying this, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, Wildcat Sports out in, in, in New Orleans, right? Louisiana, maybe not New Orleans, but Louisiana. Uh, you know, previously associated with the NWA, Luke Hawk is the proprietor of said company. Certainly could figure out a way to partner up with the NWA to record some matches. And what if that's what it was? What if they did that with USA instead of it being this alternate uh, TV show? What if they aired matches from these other programs? You do try and true, okay? Jackson's gonna defend the national title on one of these episodes, and that match we're gonna use on our TV. Uh, you know, uh, oh, you're gonna do uh, Wildcat promotions, okay? Let's we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a uh, you know homicide defend the t- the uh, junior heavyweight championship, and we're gonna air that on NWA USA. And in doing that, you would have such fresh content, and those shows will become more like you need to see them. Plus, it's a great way to advertise for for uh, Mayweather's tried and true or 
or uh, Luke Hawk's Wildcat, or I mean, even like a like a a, a Jacksonville, Florida's the Love Alive charity, which with with the Pope, who does you know quarterly shows as fundraisers. Again, these are opportunities that these matches can be filmed. They could be presented in such a way that you could use that footage for NWA USA and everyone would win on that. You know, Jack Stane might not be a, the biggest draw in Jacksonville, Florida, but I, I bet you he could draw in, in uh, Oak Grove, Kentucky. I, I bet you he could uh, draw in, you know, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Am I wrong? Do you, what do you guys think? I'm crazy. If you have well, a yeah, talented... you're crazy. Yeah. We already knew you were crazy. You're a wrestling fan and you you run a podcast. It's two examples, you know. If you ate avocado, they put you away. But anyway, I was saying, Jack Stane could be a draw anywhere if they have a promoter who knows how to promote it right and put a match that people want to see him against. I mean, people love seeing Daredevil Dave Dahl. Unfortunately, it's, they love seeing him get his ass kicked. But still, <laughs> they pay to do it. If you you can, Some people will pay to do anything, you know? <laughs> Just ask Jeffrey Epstein, even if even if he didn't hang himself, um, he didn't hang himself. Anyway, real real quick before so was that two or three? I don't even know anymore. I've lost track. I think we're on three. Uh-huh. We'll get to this in a minute. I do want to get going on this because I this this is going to turn into a marathon show if we don't start moving things along. Uh, so okay, so that's three things that I have. Um, I feel like uh, so we'll we'll start from the beginning. Um, Quarterly tapings need to stop. There needs to be more regular TV tapings. Uh, I think there needs to be a greater emphasis on uh, continuity between the storylines to keep things tightened up uh, so that the shows reflect the same kind of environment. You're not introducing new characters on a show that they've already aired on uh, a week prior. I feel like they also need to um, be in different areas for the programs and not the same venues. I feel like they need to explore more and, and be in different parts of the country when taping these shows. Uh, and then um, I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah. You, yeah. you agree with that? So then I think the other thing is uh, they need to do something with the champions that they have. Um, Tyrus has not defended that title. I don't care what Gary Horn said in the Discord chat. We all know he's defended that title four to- or five times now, and it's which they just said on this episode of Power. The titles become stagnant. It's not interesting. I've got this beautiful belt. A really nice person gave me this title belt right here, and it sits here. And it, you know, I defend my title as much as Tyrus does. <laughs> You do. It's 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 been on it's it's featured on a weekly podcast as much as Tyrus features it on Fox News. It's not a big deal for him to have that title. It's not. It, it, it's it's almost meaningless at this point, and it gets every day that it, he hasn't defended it, it. It just slowly loses its value. Whereas we, I had the same problem with Adonis being national champion. You got Jack Stane, who's now champion and defending it oh now the national title feels important again uh but that the tv title hasn't felt important in quite some time i personally can't wait for piper to do her heel turn and take that title away from you jay oh she's already hit me with it twice so it's coming new champ soon coconut um 
so so then with that being said uh so that's that's four and then the fifth one i think uh i mean storylines uh some of the silly gimmicks that they've been coming up with i mean gags the gimp we talked about that off the air uh, and I know that uh, my pal Jason Newsom said a lot of cartoonish things on the show. The Gimp, seriously, I mean, that character came into fruition, and that's the perfect type of character that would be enhancement. Like that's the type of person that should be beaten up and lose because they're in a mask. You're not hurting the credibility of a certain performer because they're masked. But then that person it wasn't winning win. anyway. Yeah, that person got a victory on on USA last week over, you know, somebody who they they kind of at least feels like there's some potential with a guy like Jamie Stanley, uh, you know, the America's uh, jawline. And now it's just me. You guys are all just uh, I'll just do that. Make me the center. Uh, Jamie Jamie Stanley, who is uh, America's jawline. I mean, that's a guy that has a lot of potential. Could be something big for the NWA at some point. Now he's doing the job to to gags the gim. So I guess that would be my uh, my fifth thing that I feel that the NWA is doing incorrectly. Is that what the question is? Five things the NWA is doing wrong. Yeah, or I they, mean, could, look, they could do to improve. Yeah, we did. We did five things that were positive, and now we're going five things negative. And, uh, I mean, look, there's a lot more to it than just that, but, um, like, I mean, basically you could just say booking and it could be cover everything. So, uh, I don't know what happened to DK, but this is the best he's ever looked. Just being my handsome face. You guys could just stay black for the rest of the time. Once you go black, you can never go back. I, that's what I heard. All right. There he is. Sorry, I had a dog that decided that this was the exact moment he needed to go outside. Understood. Get that. Um, Jason Newsom says the gimp is a negative. Agreed. Um, Willie Bowen <laughs> says Tyrus is too busy bankrupting Domino's Pizza. Uh, maybe he's keeping them in business, actually. Um, uh, Media M5 says Stanley reminds me of Rob Conway. You know, honestly... I would take Stanley in an entirely different direction and make him Captain America, but that's just me. I think the guy, the guy could be a perfect Captain America. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think the, we've talked before about Scion, the mask nobody care about. And it was pointed out that he was like the mirror of question mark. And, you know, Question Mark was kind of a comic, laughable character, and this guy is so serious. And unfortunately, you care about him less than you do Question Mark. And I felt like the Gimp's the, and a new attempt to recreate Question Mark. And it's just like, you know, I don't think he ever should have got over the way he did. I, I think that was a case of, a tired audience, hardcore audience in Atlanta at a first set of tapings reacting to somebody who would never be reacted to if you just in that way, if you just went to a show and saw the character. And uh, your light went out. 
And so my computer just went to sleep. But anyhow. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with most of your things. Um, just to hit a real quick positive, I would say that when they put on their pay-per-views, or pay-per-views are almost always good quality wrestling back-to-back. I mean, I can only think of one pay-per-view I didn't particularly care for, and I think half of that was the last one in Atlanta. And I think half of that was the fact that at the last minute it was like, oh, you can only have 50 people in here. So so you you got seating for 250 people and you got 50 people. And it didn't look right. It didn't feel right. And I, I feel like that really hurt the show. And it may have even hurt the morale of some of the wrestlers there. I mean, they, they didn't seem as into it. it. It wasn't bad. It just was hard to get into. But normally, I mean, we looked at the first night of Crockett Cup and didn't care for it. And then the second night of Crockett Cup came across and, you know, we were drooling. Yeah. It, it was so damn good. So I would say their strength is in their pay-per-views. That's a good point. I would say their weaknesses is in Billy not knowing what the hell he's doing half the time. I mean, I think that's I think if you sum up all of it, you really get that. I mean, Tyrus is champion because he's a Billy guy. I mean, let's be honest. You know, Sion's there because he's a Billy guy. You uh, know, and Billy seems like ridiculous I, character characters and so it's like but at the same time then they promote we are wrestling well you know pick which are you <laughs> yeah and and it's uh to to the point that you were just making i did a deep dive on resistance pro wrestling which was the wrestling promotion that billy corgan owned many many years ago um and they started putting up a lot of their matches on their youtube channel and i'm going to put the link here uh, in the channel, so you guys could check it out later if you choose to, or or you can even watch it now if you want. Um, but uh, if you start looking at some of those faces, like Robert King, the referee was was a promo guy. He was like a manager for the company. Uh, you know, Harry Smith was involved there. Uh, Mecca Wolf was involved there. Uh, you know, uh, Scion was involved there. All these guys who just seemingly appeared in the NWA, Marche Rocket. Uh, a lot of those guys came direct from Chicago by way of resistance pro wrestling. And it's interesting to me to see how many of those guys uh, came from there and how many of them are still being featured in the NWA. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's not surprising. Matt cross, another guy who has been uh, part of the NWA in the past came, he, he had time in resistance pro before. So just something that uh, if you I think if you guys are, uh, looking for something to just uh, kind of research that there's plenty of examples of these guys from the past showing up uh, hey, in the NWA. Hey, Jay, who's the longest reigning current NWA champion? I guess you would have to say the Hex. No? Nope. Tires, right? Close. Camille. Camille. Camille's the longest reign champion. Tyrus is second in that he won the TV title in the tapings after uh, Camille won the 
women's championship. When the shadows so we, fall. So we don't really know exactly when he won the title because he won it towards the end of the tapings. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, he's only like a couple of days behind her in title reign. And then I think it's the then I think it's the tag team champions and then the women's tag team champions, both of whom are over, you know, like two hundred and forty some well, days the, or something. The hex the hex won at Empower, and La Rebellion won after the pay per view after the seventy third. I think. Don't make a liar out of me. I don't know. I'm not trying to. No, Real I'm quick. just saying I don't know. But I, I, they are close. Real quick, uh, Sean Mega asked this question, and I'm kind of curious to hear it too, so I'm going to post it now. And while you look that up, DK, I want Jaden, you know, because you, uh, you know, you've, you, you're working in the um, trenches and helping uh, Dr. Lawrence Laconian promote uh, Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiator events, and, and you're kind of like a fixer for them. Um, how do you feel about somebody like uh, Freddie Prince Jr.? Now, whose background, besides being a Hollywood actor, did write for the WWE for a short time, uh, opening up this new wrestling promotion. What, what are your thoughts on that, Jaden? First of all, uh, Dr. Z's fixer is actually named Vinny. But, um, sorry. Sorry. yeah. Uh, you know what? I was a fan of Freddie Prince Jr. when he was voicing a Star Wars character, since we're a day removed from Star Wars Day. Really liked him as Caleb Dune. Um, he was entertaining in a few '90s movies, if I remember, and I really doesn't really stick out. So I guess normally I remember the bad ones a lot more than I remember the good ones. So it was probably a benefit. Hollywood and the idea of having an actual SAG wrestling promotion is both intriguing and probably dangerous to the wrestling company, the wrestling business, and I'll tell you why in a second. But he's a Hollywood guy who is a wrestling fan who has some good things that may be positives to the business, but prob- if he's going to run a promotion, I really hope he has somebody who knows what he's doing running the booking. And not a booking committee, a booker, somebody who actually knows what they're doing, not a not a Mark who likes to play with wrestlers and decides that he's going to become a promoter. Not a um, not a guy who thinks because he reads newsletters. Hell, not even a guy who writes newsletters and thinks he knows anything about wrestling. An actual somebody who knows how to put together matches, how to accentuate styles, how to make unique matchups and storylines and keeping it simple and don't do 94 ladder match on a scaffold with um, a under with a a vat of acid that has crocodiles with lasers on their foreheads. <laughs> you know, nothing stupid. I'm so tired of wrestling promoters having all these multi-man matches and unusual stipulations for no reason other than they think it's cool. And people who don't know anything about wrestling pretending they think they do and putting up stuff that just makes anybody who knows anything about wrestling who's trying to promote it makes their life so much more difficult. And those um, are the rules to a Texas death match. Yeah. And that's not just the billionaires. That's the local guys that pay uh, guys hot dogs and a handshake, too. That seems to be everywhere. Unless 
there is really a major buildup for it. If you book a three-way dance or a four-way ladder match or whatever it is, it's just a sign you don't know what you're doing. And booking, to quote Jim Cornette. Yeah, it's just stupid shit, and that's what I'm afraid we're going to see. Now, the reason I think that SAG is going to make it difficult, even though I know it's going to be great for wrestlers to get health insurance and everything else, if the um, Screen Actors Guild gets into wrestling, the wrestlers will be unlikely to do what needs to do to draw money and will spend a lot more time worrying about characters instead of gimmicks. The worst thing in the wrestling world is wrestling having characters. This isn't a scripted drama. It never really should have been. It's guys with gimmicks that are extensions of themselves basically going out there and beating the crap out of each other to try to make money. Now you got Shakespearean thespians and they're going to be cutting Cody Rhodes style of promos that are not entertaining and not realistic and just scripted garbage. Where do I find those guys at? Are you looking for bookers? Are you looking for bookers? Bookers? There's not a lot left. and Unfortunately, they're all dying and they're really, really, really old. Uh, right now, I, if you can't find a booker, take somebody and find the few that are out there that are might be around and just have them sit under the tree of woe or the tree of knowledge or the tr- whatever, just sit there and listen and have them show how to do it. And then honestly, the only real way to do it, this is what sucks too. The only real way to do it is have somebody run a wrestling card where the people on the card are getting paid based on what the crowd is. And then have them do it and then have somebody who knows what they're doing, saying what they did right, saying what they did wrong, have them actually listening and not having an ego trip and learning from it. Because there's no, unfortunately, the people that can do it probably won't. So, yeah, just have to find a way to listen and try to get as much information as possible and figure this out. You know how or Gary Hart became Booker, in, became Booker in Dallas? I didn't hear you. What was that, TK? Do you know how Gary Hart became the booker in Dallas? From working with Fritz for so long? He went to Fritz. Dallas was a notoriously bad draw. People don't realize that. But Texas wrestling was Houston, San Antonio, Corpus. Uh, Dallas was actually a pretty bad draw and they were only drawing like a thousand people on Friday nights. And Gary Hart went to Fritz and said, make me the booker in Dallas. Cause this time the way wrestling territories worked is that there was basically, uh, each town had its own booker, its own promoter. And so, you know, they would just get the show, you know, they would call the booking office and ask wrestlers. And then, you pay a fee for that, and then if you wanted them to book the show, then they would, you know, you'd pay a bigger fee. You know, a lot of people don't know that Gary Hart booked a lot of uh, Houston wrestling in the late seventies, mid to late seventies. But he went to Fritz to get to to get Dallas, 
they're drawing about a thousand people. He goes for every 500 or something that I increase the crowd, give me a hundred dollars. So for every 500 people, you know, give me a hundred or give me whatever. And so that's how we started. And so it was one of those, you know, Fritz had nothing to lose, you know, grow anymore or whatever i'm not paying <laughs> you know basically is the way it worked and you know gary found a way to make a lot of money and then he became the booker booker for uh freds do you think in modern wrestling if wrestlers got paid on the house they didn't get guaranteed money do you think they would be doing a lot of the things they're doing now or do you think they were trying to do things to actually try to get more people in the crowd I think you have to be careful in the sense that I think they might try to do too much to impress the crowd and have that backfire on them. But I, I think if we say, let's say the opening match, the guys get 50 bucks. Some places that's realistic. Some places that's high. Some places that's low. But so the opening guy, so let's say I've made the deal, you know, the opening guys are going to get 50 bucks, the, you know, the mid card, they're going to get a hundred and the main event's going to get 300 or 350, assuming I'm not bringing in any major names or anything like that. And I sit there and go, okay, once I paid you guys and I paid the, and I paid the rest of my expenses. Yeah. I'm going to take 50% of my leftover profits. I'm going to invest 50% back in the company and I'm going to split the other 50%, you know, with you guys based on the same percentage of what you were earning on the card. So if I was, if my salary total was, you know, you're making 10% of the thing and I, uh, you know, my salary total, then I'm going to give you 10% of the, of that profit that I made of that half, half the profit I made. I think if you can do something like that, then you would get guys who would sit there and go, okay, how do we get these shows up? How do we get the attendance up? What do we need to do to perform, you know, and make some money? I, I do think that would, that would work. But again, you know, if you're offering a guy a hot dog and handshake or there's a hot dog, there's a drink and there's chips and you can have two out of three, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get a lot of motivation out of these people. No. So let's, and, let's... And, and both of those are realistic, but now that we've talked about this and it's already like eight twenty or something, you know, Hey Jay, did you watch any of the shows? <laughs> Jay or Jaden? Jay. Yes. I watched both shows and I've starting to feel like maybe USA is becoming a chore to watch, which is sad because, Jack Zane is one of my favorite guys on the roster, and the show is not an easy watch like it was. Have you noticed that, or is it just me? You know, I will say there were three matches on that show. Yeah. I would say I liked one. One was fine, and the other one was stupid. Yes. And and they have too many promos in between. Yes. I, now, I, I think I think they need to spend more time 
you know, solidifying people than just kind of having, and a lot of them talk about nothing. They just kind of come out there and stand. That's the, that's the problem. You wouldn't care if the promos, if the promos were any good. You know, if you ever remember watching the old, Cro- the old Crockett Territory and and Memphis in some cases and, and even Dallas in some cases and AWA very important, very much so, the promos were the most important and the best parts of half the programming. You don't watch it for the squash matches. You watch it for the action and the promos. Oh, yeah. Um, if, if the promos were any good, you wouldn't care and they wouldn't drag. And isn't it still, is it still a half an hour show? Yes. About that, yeah. So the fact that it's a half hour and you can't even get a half hour of good product, at least Rawls, you know, has the excuse that they have to fill three hours, and you know maybe they don't have a mental capability to fill fifteen minutes. But when you only have a half hour, if you can't make a half an hour program entertaining from top to bottom, and occasionally you know you're going to have a an off day, but for for the majority of it, then you really don't need to have the program. Well, they need to go back to two matches per show. I will say that. And if you're going to have three, then two of them need to basically be enhancement matches. Which I mean, they, they basically are. Like they, they basically are. But let's get to it. Let's not let's not stand on ceremony anymore. Let's get to it. Um, NWA USA season two episode number five. This show opens up with May Valentine and Black G's. Uh, G said that Jax tried to double cross them. Now, I don't remember when Jax tried to double-cross them. I don't know where what he's talking about significantly. I remember that uh, just like two weeks ago, they were a tag team, and if uh, if if, if uh, Marche Rockets team won, he'd get a shot at the uh, national title, in which case Jack Stane was his mystery partner, and they won the match. So I don't get where Black Jesus is saying that uh, Jax tried to double-cross them. It doesn't feel like anyone got double-crossed. Well, good, uh, because... I thought I missed something. No, I, I I'm trying to like rack my brain. What what do you mean you got double crossed? And again, I don't know if this is something we didn't see, something got left on the editor's floor, or if they just felt it wasn't necessary to get into. But uh, this didn't make you know this whole problem didn't make sense. They kind of explained it later, but like you said, was did something get cut that shouldn't have been to make this? By the way, you talk about the NWA, they'll probably show it next week. Uh, Probably. And for the record, for those that didn't see it, like Jaden, what happened was, which you had to piece together, apparently Jack Stane didn't want to defend his title against Marche Rocket, claiming that he never signed a contract. And so he had his lawyers because now that's what Jack Stane does. He gets his lawyers. Chris Silvio. Yeah. Who's like the husband or married to some wrestler. I forget who. One of the sub-leading wrestlers. And, uh, but anyway, so the idea was that he was trying to get out of it, saying he never signed a contract to defend his title, therefore he didn't have to defend his title. The argument that was made was that he entered a binding agreement when he agreed to do the match, and therefore they were having the title match. Okay. Genocide. Thank you, Dave Scooby. And Media M5, both of whom sent it, and I'm reading them in reverse order. 
So thank you both. Um, so again, that, that was kind of pointless, kind of meaningless, but as we get to the uh, next segment, um, we get a match and we get Camille. And of course, Camille matches are going to be squashes on USA. We know that. Um, but that's okay. It's just fun to see. She's becoming an attraction. So for her to come out and squash a nobody in, you know, two or three minutes is fine. Uh, well, that's the way she should be used. Yeah. And her opponent is Caitlin Alexis, who I don't think we've seen before. So it's kind of nice to see a new face on the program. Um, the first thing Normally. that happens is what's that? Normally. Yeah. And the first thing that happens is Caitlin Alexis does this trick with a hula hoop, which I'll admit was kind of neat looking, but then hits Camille with a hula hoop. Now, I don't know. I, DK, I know your kids are a lot older. Jaden, I don't think you have kids. You might not know you have kids. I have kids. I have daughters. And they love the hula hoop. And they have hit me with the hula hoop. And you know what? A hula hoop is a no-sell like weapon. It doesn't hurt at all. And even when they swing it as hard as they can, it's still just a plastic tube. So for even Camille to just kind of like, you know, oh my back, that was uncomfortable. It just that was stupid. Uh, you don't sell a hula hoop, and uh, you know the match should have been over right then and there because Camille should have just turned around and slapped the taste out of her mouth. Uh, that's not what happened, but it was pretty much a squash match. Uh, Camille is your women's world champion for many many reasons, the least of which is. She's not going to lose to somebody who hits her with a hula hoop. However, the finish was the softest spear that I've ever seen. And I mean, I roughhouse with my kids. Like I said, they're all girls. They like to play wrestle. I spear them harder than what Camille did in this match. Uh, what did you think about this one, DK? Well, to start with that, to start with the ending, she didn't hit her with her shoulder. No. It I was mean, like she... she she grabbed her around the waist and took her down. Yeah. Didn't didn't uh, Camille play for the Lingerie Football League? Yes. Right. So she probably should know how to actually tackle somebody. Well, and that's, Maybe? that was actually her argument. She always used to say she doesn't hit a spear. She tackles. In the early days, you know, she would go up. She goes, it's not a spear. She goes, I tackle. I, I play football. With the idea being that in a spear you go off your feet and she just runs and tackles them. But yeah, I mean, I've seen her spear people where you go, holy shit. But this one was kind of like, you know, here, honey, I don't want to hurt you. So let me, when I grab you around your waist, you fall down. And it, it was weak looking. And what'd you say the other girl's name was? Uh, her name was Caitlin Alexis. Yeah, Caitlin Alexis, sure. Uh, she got more offense in than she should have. Yes. And even though it was basically a squash. Yep. And the only thing at the beginning, working this match backwards, when she did that hula hoop trick, the only thing I could think was literally honest to God. I go, well, Jay's uh, young daughters would probably like that. And I go, yeah. I Outside, while you're doing it in a ring, I can't imagine. And then, like you said, when she hit her with the hula hoop, it was just like, was I supposed to smoke something before I watched this? Yes. Because you didn't, you didn't put that on the beginning, so I didn't know I was supposed to. And 
I can't figure out what the hell you're doing. So, so I mean, like, look, it was a good, it was a good squash for Camille. Uh, I do believe that Alec- Caitlin Alexis got way too much offense in, um, which it wasn't a whole lot anyways, but the mat again, stuff like this was just kind of silly. Was it an okay match? Sure. Um, we didn't need the hula hoop part. That was kind of dumb. I mean, she could have done the hula trick. She shouldn't have hit her with it. It didn't make any sense. And it was too long. Back in the early days when they were first building Camille, we said Camille's on TV. If it's not against the top challenger, should have 90-second matches. Yes. If it goes longer than 90 seconds, you've gone too long with Camille. And in the early days, part of the reason was to hide her inexperience. Now part of the reason is because not to hide inexperience because she's come such a long way. But now it's just because it's like Magnum TA getting, you know, his belly to belly on TV where, you know, you count it to see if he'd make it 30 seconds or so. It was always under a minute. And, you know, that's just thing. She just goes out there. She slaughters whoever she's in the ring with, who's enhancement talent. And she leaves because she's the woman's champion. She's a one-time woman's champion. The crowd was chanting one time. And, you know, you go from there. What was next? So uh, up next was uh, 60 Seconds with Mims. And again, so like I want Mims to be a baby face, right? And I want Mims to be a baby face in the way that Sting was a baby face for WCW for all those years, right? Sting was always that guy that you counted on to represent your brand. Um, it didn't matter if he was wrestling a talent from New Japan Pro Wrestling or if he was wrestling a talent from UWF or just whichever heel was the flavor of the week. Sting was your baby face, and he was a, a guy that the company could get behind. And even if he wasn't in the world title picture, which most of his early career he wasn't, he was still that that franchise kind of guy. And that's what I want them to do with Mims. But I don't know if Mims knows how to be that guy. And that seems like a shame because I think he has potential to be like a franchise player for them down the road. This promo was nonsense. He's trying to explain the big, strong Mims moniker. Come on, man. What, what are we doing here? This is the time you have 60 seconds to put yourself over, to make people fall in love with you, to, to justify why you're the franchise of the NWA, while you're the future of the NWA. And we're talking about big boy Mims, strong boy Mims. And I don't know. I, I want to like him. Hey, KJ. Mims. This was. Okay. I need to know if I heard something. Sure. Did I literally. By the way, this was the worst 60-second thing they've ever done. Yep. So someone work with Mims. I like Mims. Someone take him aside. This should have been reshot, honestly. It should have. But I I think I heard this, and you'll have to answer and tell me if it's true or not. I think I heard him say, big ass, strong ass, Mims, without the ass. Or no ass, or something like that. And I literally did not hear anything after that. I just sat there and go, who let this poor guy just twist in the wind like that? 
and then they aired it. Oops. You know what I mean? Like, not only Oops. did they take the time to shoot this, but then they said, "Yeah, this is good. We'll put it on TV." If Adam Pierce had been there, huh. are you telling me that Adam Pierce, when he said that, wouldn't have said, "Stop right now," or uh, Bill Moody, or anybody, or Jaden, or me? I'm, or I'm anybody, t- Jay even. I'm telling would, you. You would have said, was, stop right now. What the hell are you saying? I'm I'm telling you as someone who has watched lots of these promos, not, not 60 seconds, but a lot of promos cut from, from many times being a championship wrestling from Hollywood. There's someone there who would say, no, that's what are you do. That's that's stupid. Start over. Whether it be Nick Bonanno, whether it be Stu Stone, whether it be Dave Marquez, whether it be Adam Pierce, whether it be Joey Ryan, they would not have let this air. This was dumb. And and, and there's got to be someone there to filter this, saying this doesn't make sense. We're trying to put them over as a baby face. What we're getting is just silly, and it doesn't work. It's not silly like, ha I like Mims. He's funny. No, it was like, dude, you're a grown-ass man. Why are you talking like a kid? Well, all the, I mean, I know uh, Pat Kennedy has health issues and he wasn't there and everything, but they need to get Nick Aldis, somebody, to stand there, watch those things, because I'm beginning to think these are just done with a cameraman and a producer or director that just says start, end. Yeah. And they need somebody there with the idea of, when they start twisting in the in, look, live interviews, you twist in the wind. That's that's the world. And if you do it too many times, you're probably not going to go anywhere, or you will go somewhere, and that's a way. But when you're doing a pre-tape, when you're working with a young guy, especially a young guy that hasn't had a lot of promo time on TV and stuff like that, you need somebody experienced there, or with a brain, or something. That goes, oh hell no. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no big ass, strong ass, Mims, no ass, or without or you know, not with the ass or whatever. You need somebody that goes, Oh, hell no, dude. Start from the beginning. Figure out what you're gonna say. You know, Bill Watts used to watch it. There's a famous story about the first time Cornette, you know, did a promo, a tape promo. And Watts chewed him out because he didn't do what he Watts told him to do and made him do it again. You know, they go, and Jim Ross was like, you know, Jim had like 30 seconds to get it together and then redo the promo. And they go, you know what? When he he redid it, he did it right. He did what Watts wanted. And so I don't know. Jaden, you need to go watch this just so you can cringe. Because I have to suffer. You have to suffer. First of all, what? if anybody knew what they were talking about, nobody named Mims would be on the program. Mims is not a name to make you money. Mims is something that is the uh, acid you take from watching these promos or something like that. Well, you don't want Mims. anything that reminds you of minimal. Mims, is, I don't care if it reminds me of marijuana. It doesn't, they have to be smoking it to think that's a good idea. <laughs> it's His name is Mims. It's not even the Miz. It's Mims. It's stupid. And then they, it, from what I understand, how it was explained to me, 
they're recording these not to put on television, but to get through it so they can get to the next thing so they can get home. That's not somebody showing pride in their work or wants to be there or somebody who's investing their money properly. I don't care if you have to be in the promos at four o'clock in the morning in the empty arena, cutting that promo 15,000 times, you're cutting that damn promo. The in ECW arena, they were there after the event was over, which was like two in the morning, cutting promos and doing everything like they have all the energy. If you're going to pay for it, then pay to put something out that's worth seeing and not just let's get through this damn thing so I, we can get on to the next stuff and get this damn thing over with. <laughs> well, and I think that's part of the problem. Uh, you'll hear old timers talk about you have to talk them into the building. Well, promos these days aren't designed for that because there are no live shows. There are no house shows. There's no whatever. And so they don't really build up to anything, even on the TV shows, except for people that know what they're doing. I mean, we'll talk about the Pope promo later, and, we'll, and I'll have some interesting things to say about that. But, you know, this was... This was just pathetic, and we've spent too much time on it. And what else was happening, Jake? Um, next up, we get uh, <laughs> uh, Casey Rocks versus Jamie Stanley versus Gags the Gimp. Now, again, uh, as I kind of alluded to this earlier, this is a match that, I mean, if you asked me to predict who would win, I would have told you Jamie Stanley because the other two guys are jobbers. Uh, well, I was wrong, and this is weird shit. Um, I know who the gimp is. I'm glad he's getting a paycheck and I'm glad he's on television. I'm just disappointed that this is what they have him doing. Like this is the best they can come up with. Now I know, I know that that Nashville crowd was behind him. I don't get it. I don't see what's appealing about this. And I guess I feel like how you guys felt with the question mark. I was there for the question mark. And I'm telling you that was an organic thing and it, it's fine. If you didn't get behind it, that's fine. But now I know how you guys felt because the GIMP thing, um, it's not something that I think is a, a great gimmick. I don't think it's a fun gimmick. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable to watch the program in front of my kids and probably won't watch it in front of my kids because I don't want to explain what a GIMP is or why the guy is in a plastic suit or why he sticks out his tongue to do a finish. All of these things are just unnatural and kind of weird, and I'm not happy to talk about it. Yeah, However, it didn't help that they kept talking about velvet after dark during the match yeah and they did that on power too and 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 so uh, he gets the victory with an inverted ddt and i guess that means that jamie stanley isn't really anything worth being excited about anymore um and i guess the biggest crime about the match was uh because of all the chicanery that was going on it just wasn't even a good match there was a lot of botched spots and I don't know if you want to blame Casey Rocks. I don't know if you want to blame Gags the Gimp. I don't know if you want to blame Stanley. But all of it, it just it wasn't a very good match. And then it was stupid on top of it. So uh, I don't really have anything more to say about it. When I got on the program, what did I say about three ways? You remember? Yeah. Means you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. That's what it is, honestly. They don't. Well, somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing comes up with this stupid angle. And, you know, you know, um, I, it sucks that the uh, Supreme Court is knocking down Roe versus Wade. 
But hopefully that means we don't get to see this abortion of this product anymore. That's all I'm saying. And, you got uh, one, Jason, sometimes. Soon? Anyway. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't talk about politics here. here. Here's my quick thoughts on this. First of all, I hate three ways. Second of all, the thing I hate more than three ways is three ways that have absolutely nothing to do with anything. This isn't a number one contenders match. This isn't for a title. This isn't, you know, to win an extra $10,000. I mean, just, hey, here's three guys, and they're going to wrestle. And once again. <laughs> and it was... I don't want to say sad and pathetic, but what other no. words are there? <laughs> there, there? There's nothing redeeming about this, honestly. And, and the worst thing about it was the inverted DDT wasn't even an inverted DDT. It was just a, you know, yeah. It was Let like face up, bent back, and he dropped an elbow with the it, guy there. It wasn't even a DDT. Why are they like, calling it that? It was like Sting's old death drop. I mean that's the closest thing that I, I saw well, to it. Sting at least held a hold to you know hold the head. He literally just kind of dropped the elbow with him. Yeah. I okay. mean that's fair. which is a fine finisher if you know what I mean as far as a finisher would go. But at least know what you're calling it, bitch. <laughs> you know, if we're gonna have a gimp, maybe we need a pimp and a simp, and that'll be the next NWA six man tag team champions. Don't maybe give Billy any ideas. Dave, Dave Scooby said, when a third of the crowd, maybe 50 people total, cheer just to hear themselves, things get over, whether they're good or bad or indifferent. And this is why people, all right, pot's legal now, and people say pot doesn't do anything wrong. Well, when people start cheering for the gimp, I think that, the, you know, you guys need to stop smoking a stanky green a little too much, all right? Well, in uh, a... I do think this goes back to what kind of crowds actually in there watching this. And again, I think you're looking at a more hardcore NWA. We're, we've gone through the pay-per-view. We're going to stay. And so, and, you know, Scooby says, you know, third of the crowds are there. They're going to cheer just because you're supposed to cheer or whatever. And, uh, you know, Kevin pointed this out a few times with the crowds that they seem to clap at the right times, cheer at the right times, or, and by right times, he means like what the people <laughs> running this show would want. And it's just, it's it's stupid. And so uh, here's my question. Is the Gimp a heel or a face? They don't even know at this point. The national Exactly. Like, that, look, that's my very point. He didn't even come out with Father James Mitchell. Let that sink in. This is the newest acquisition to the, uh, the what do they call them, the... Uh, Oh, I don't even know the the group of idiots. Yeah, the, the he uh, he they gave, they have some sort of name, but whatever. It was unimportant because uh, ministry something. I don't. Remember. Yeah, you know the home for no friends or something. I don't know. Hey, um, hey, Dave. What do they call them? Tapping in the well, chat. While we're waiting for Dave, were they really cheering for him, or was it more like the NWA crowd where they clap like trained seals? No, this was because this happened with the Ill Begotten as well. And I think DK might be uh, okay with the dog. Good. Um, the Ill Begotten got over there too. And that was weird because, again, they did like a heel on heel match. And when they do that, 
uh, the heel, you know, undoubtedly one of the heels is going to get cheered, which isn't always a bad thing. But like, this is the multiple time, like, you put Jamie Stanley in this match, who's a heel, but he's a good heel. He's he's a he's an interesting wrestler. He's a talented wrestler. Um, that's a nice looking belt you got there, DK. Yes, 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 it is. Um, Every now and then, I just got to show off. It and 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 so you put one heel in the ring with another heel, and inadvertently one of them is going to get cheered. But I think maybe they would have preferred Stanley to get cheered. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know anymore. Well, I figured the guy with the hair was the one that was supposed to be the face. JC Rocks? Sure. That's that's how big of an impression he made on me. Well, I the Miserably Faithful, that's the name of the group. So you, thank you, Dave Scooby. All right, you know what? We've given well, they that, are miserable. We, we've given it more time than it deserves, so let's move on to the next thing. And that's uh, May, uh, May Valentine in the back with Colby Carino. Uh, may ask why Colby is afraid to wrestle Carrie. And I love I love the heel work here. This is one of the highlights of the show. Colby gets it, man. And uh, his promos are getting there. Uh, I, I feel like I'm seeing an improvement week in and week out. He's not afraid to wrestle Carrie Morton. He's just already beaten him. And he doesn't want to squash that kid. You know, what's that going to do for him, squashing somebody he's already beaten? Um then he brings up, do you know what my last name means in this business? Which I absolutely love because that's the kind of person you just hate that wants to skid by by what their parents did. I should know. I'm one of those people. But with that being said, it's it's such a great heel tactic. You know what my name means in this business? And he wants to wrestle Ricky. But he says, look, Ricky wants to wrestle me, but he's got to earn it like the old-fashioned way. So Tell him if he can beat Wrecking Ball Ligurski, he can have a shot at Colby Carino. I just thought this was, uh, you know, maybe my expectations were low, but this was a highlight for me considering everything else that was so bad. I mean, the promo was good. I didn't necessarily like some of the direction that was going to take things. Like, I really don't want to see Ricky Morton versus Wrecking Ball Ligurski. I I don't either, but it feels like it's inevitable. It feels like they're going to do it whether we want them to or not. Oh, ain't that the freaking truth. Um, what happened next? Next, we get Tom Latimer at the podium with Kyle Davis. And Latimer looks jacked, man. That dude looks like a million dollars. I really wish there was a way that he would get more spotlight in the NWA. Now I know he was hurt at these tapings. That's why we didn't see a lot of entering action, but he calls out Jack Stane. And that's the second guy on the roster. Now that's calling out Jack Stane for a title, ma- title match. You got Sion doing it on Twitter. You got uh, Tom Latimer doing it uh, at NWA USA. And uh, that would be a lot of fun, a matchup between those two. I don't think you could deny that. J- Jaden, uh, you know, we talk about Haas fights here on all the time. Was that a match that you think would be fun to watch? Uh, it depends. Styles do make matches, and I'm not sure they have a style that could be conducive to a great match. Um, I, I'm not you guys. I don't think Latimer's that great. He's okay. He's got a good size and has a cool-sounding voice and an accent. He's got some marketability, but I don't think he's that good in the ring. I think, um, and also, who has he beaten? When's the last time he's gotten a win? 
You know, I can't remember no, when, when, like that, Jaden. I mean, I know that's why he's probably against Red Titus, so Red Titus can make him look like he's actually good and get a win coming up. But I, I, I guess that's a start to build him up. But how about a series of wins before you start challenging for a championship? I don't know. Maybe simple things. Um, so we'll see. I guess my answer. So just based on what we're what you just mentioned, the last time that Tom Latimer got a, a singles match victory. You have to go all the way back to December 5th, 2021 against the showstopper Miguel Robles. So, uh, you know, that definitely should solidify him as a, a number one contender for that national championship. He also defeated Tim storm, uh, on an episode of power surge back in October of 2021. Uh, but then he had a series of losses to Nick Aldis and a series of tag team uh, losses, um, you know, whether it be at the Crockett Cup to Gold Rush, uh, the tag team war, they were eliminated. Uh, Strictly Business and El Rudo defeated the end in Rodney Mack. But, uh, yeah, not a whole lot of victories there. Didn't even get a tag team win over Jack Stain, like him and somebody versus Jack Stain and somebody, and he pins the champ. There's no reason for him, for Jack Stain or any – credible championship committee to give Latimer a championship match. Hell, even if he beats Rhett, I love Rhett. Rhett's amazingly talented. And I think the NWA is not stupid for pushing him more. He's never beaten anybody in the NWA. Does he have a win? I think he might have one on a power taping. Yeah. But everything, I, he has like a, a draw and a bunch of losses. And he should be the guy that – there should be a guy that they should be pushing now. All right, maybe when the tapings happened, he, the uh, Ring of Honor situation was a little uh, up in the air. But he's a free agent. Sign him. P- uh, push him. Yeah, Titus uh, Titus has a victory over Darius Lockhart. And that's really his only big NWA victory. Um, outside of that, he has a loss, uh, two out of three fall loss to Colby Carino and a loss to Austin Aries. Um What's that? Lost the homicide too. Yeah, I was just about to say that too. Um, All right, well let's uh, let's keep moving because uh, you know someone's got to. Um, Then we get the national championship match with Marche Rocket versus Jack Stain. Now this, uh, if you're keeping score at home, I believe this is Marche Rocket's uh, first shot at this national championship, but it's been a title he's been chasing since Chris Adonis. Um, in this match, Jax was very methodic. Uh, he, One of the things I really enjoyed about this match is that he removed one of Marche's biggest assets. Uh, he started working over the legs, specifically the right knee. That kept the challenger grounded. And then, you know, if we're, we're you know, trying to be as um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're looking at this as a realistic type competition. You know, Jack Stain eliminating the ability for Marche Rocket to use like 80% of his offense is a, is a brilliant strategy. Um, the match ends when Jack Dane connects with that vicious lariat clothesline that literally, uh, well, not literally, but figuratively removes the head of Marche Rocket from his body. I think I did see a part of his spirit come out only to go back into the body. Uh, that clothesline that Jack Stain connects with is a thing of beauty. I think he would make the Steiner brothers proud with that. I think, uh, you know, Nikolai Volkov would, would 
uh, praise that uh, American sickle like uh, no other. Decam, what did you think of the match? What do you think of that clothesline? Okay, uh, clothesline first. Uh, he doesn't always land it great, but he landed it great in this match. Yep. In that it looked like, he said, and, you know, we'll take some, we'll give some credit to Marche. He knew how to sell it right. But he connected well. Marche sold it right. And it looked like, you know, damn near kill, killed the man. You know, look, no, there's, everyone knows I like Jack Stain. I consider him a friend. Everybody knows that I like big hoss fights. You know, these are two big guys kind of going at it. Uh, I like that Jack's had a strategy in going, you know, after the leg. That's something you would expect in a combat sport. Yeah. Uh, so it was obviously the best sh- match on the show. So I, I don't have anything to say against the match. It, okay. it was a good match. Right guy won, blah, blah. Again, this is weird booking in that you have somebody that's a heel associated with a heel group with a heel manager who's the face in the match. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to get invested when these people keep going back and forth. You know, we hate Dane, or they do, I love him. But, you know. It's that guy. You know, you know, they hate Dane because Dane is set up to be hated. And he's being used. He's being used as a brutal intellectual. And I think this was almost the direction they were originally trying to go with uh, Josephus, somebody who was big and rugged in the ring, but was an intellectual outside of the ring. And it just never worked as well for him as Dana's pulled it off. And and but even in his ring stuff, like I said, with the working over the leg, you know, you you see it. He's smart. He was smart when he cashed in his his thing to win the national title. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen Mayweather since, have we? <laughs> and it's just one of those, uh, you know, one of those things where he is so good. And I would like to see a match between him and Latimer. I think they can have a good match. Uh, but like Jaden says, why am I interested in it when Latimer doesn't, you know, win? And we don't know what Latimer is either. He's now a tweener because the crowd likes Camille. Camille's a heel, but the crowd likes her. And she can kind of, but she's, she's a tweener too. And she's good at being a tweener. And so, you know, Thomas Latimer was being a little bit sappy and had the crowd channeling, make her proud, make her proud. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go watch the show. And, you know, I I think the two of them could put on a good match. I'd like to see that at the pay-per-view. But if if I'm average Joe fan and I've been watching the NWA for the last few weeks or even the last few months, I would go, like Jaden said, well, why is Latimer getting a title shot? He, he doesn't beat anybody. And, and that is a great point. 
And I think, and we'll talk about it later in the show um, as we talk about power. But I think right now what we're seeing with Nick Aldis is the best thing that they've done in terms of building up a challenger is literally just have them go back and get those wins and losses or not the losses as much as get the wins. And I think that's this very simple approach to legitimize anything they want to do. Oh, Tom Latimer wants to go after the national title. Okay. Have him go beat Marche rocket. Have him go beat Jordan Clearwater. Have him go beat rush Freeman. Have him get a, a series of wind, wins under his belt before you make that match a reality. If you did that, then I don't think anyone would complain. But the fact, like Jaden pointed out, well, who who did he beat? Nobody. He beat yeah. nobody. Well, he didn't deserve. Randy Savage. Who did he beat? Yeah. Well, it's who not even a matter of he hasn't beaten anybody, as in like, well, all he's, you know, in boxing when they're trying to bring up a star, you know, they put him in with tin cans, and uh, or aluminum cans nowadays, <laughs> and uh, but, you know. Not only has he not beat anybody, he's lost. You know, that's even worse. Yeah. Hey, so-and-so over there in MMA, he's lost his last four matches. Let's put him in a championship match. Ken Shamrock, oh, wait. <laughs> and so that's the, that's the end, of, uh, end of NWA USA. Let's, I mean, there's not a whole lot more to discuss. Uh, let's jump back to um, power where things start off a little weird. You know, it's funny. I talk about how weird things were on USA, but it gets weird here on power too. Um, and not just during the velvet after dark episodes, power kicks off with Aaron Stevens with May Valentine uh, in front of a, in front of the, you know, I don't remember if it was in front of the ring or if it was in the back. I don't remember. Front of the ring. Um, Steven kicks off his announcement with very simple. I'm done. And that kind of sets off May because, as Steven says, this is it, goodbye. May breaks down in tears. And this might be the best acting I've ever seen May Valentine do. Like, kind of felt sympathetic for her. She, like, her lip quivered like a Disney princess. Like, wow, I kind of felt sad for May there. And she says, I don't want you to go, Aaron. And, and uh, you're like, wow, okay didn't know this was happening and and uh you know stevens is like well why didn't you say something before you know i didn't know that's how you felt about me and they have this like kind of this romantic comedy moment and then uh weren't they going to brazil yes steven says well do you want to come with me and she goes you know that i'm from brazil let's go to brazil and and then and then steven's like no i'm flying solo and beat it and i thought that was it was a very weird segment it really, um, it really human, humanized May, who like has really evolved as an announcer for the NWA. Say what you will about her, if you don't like her or whatever, but they've really tried to um, make her more than just a person holding a microphone. Um, so for that, I thought it was kind of cool. But at the same time, it was like, okay, so what do we get out of that? And uh, I don't know. I thought it was a fun little like segment but not really necessary uh dk what did you think about it okay this is going to be one of those things where i have to segment things overall as a segment of the show it was horrible i mean just absolutely horrible 
<laughs> Why is May Valentine crying over Aaron St- Stevens leaving? I mean, the, the, it's and the thing is, none of us believe Aaron Stevens is leaving. So, I mean, maybe he will, but this almost seems to be setting something up to say he won't. Well, and then I don't want to ruin your steal any of your thunder, but then we get the next segment with. Uh, William Patrick Corgan with Velvet and, and Gallant. He goes, I don't think Aaron Stevens is going anywhere. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to buy into it, Chief. Yeah, I was probably scratching my ears at that moment. I actually missed that, but or it was just the fact that Corgan was talking and I tuned out. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those the same way. Now, I will agree with you that it was probably it was very good acting on May's part in the sense that you actually go, oh, man, I mean, I believe she actually feels this way. I don't understand why she feels this way, but, you know, right. I, I can believe she feels this way. And it was and it was so funny because one of the things she did that cracked me up back on USA, I think it was the Kobe Karina thing. She's like, I'm here with, and then she, like, stops and turns and looks, Kobe Karina. <laughs> <laughs> And she goes along with that, and was, I don't know. I just found that funny. Like I don't know who I'm here with. Oh, it's Kobe. <laughs> I think that's the one. She certainly did it at one point with somebody in one of the backstage interviews. And uh, I don't know. So did did May do a good job of acting for her part? Yeah, she did. Overall, the part was stupid, ridiculous. I never want to see anything like that again. Uh, <laughs> May, I'll go to Brazil with you if that's the thing, but you're going to have to speak for me because I don't know any Portuguese. So, what happened there? What was that, Jaden? I said he barely knows English. I have a question, though. You guys are NWA fans. Are you guys paying to see May Valentine as part of the NWA? Like, when you go watch the pay per views, are you. Ordering a pay-per-view for May Valentine? Are you going flying to Atlanta or Nashville or anywhere else to see May Valentine? Then why the hell is she getting TV time to get herself over and when the time can be used for something else? I mean, excellent point. Only if I could take her out. Yeah, get a good gun and take her out, right? So we don't have to see her anymore. Hey, Jade, I don't know what happened, but it sounds People like... People didn't know how I meant it. Just, you know, hush, Jaden. Uh, look, no, this, this is a typical thing that does nothing to get anybody over. I suppose it was supposed to do something for Aaron Stevens where he was a jerk at the end. But I uh, don't know. I don't... Yeah, it was bad. Don't do that again. Billy, don't do that again. What are we going to say, Jay? Uh, the audio on your phone seems to have taken a turn for the worse. It almost sounds like we're communicating via a uh, string in a tin can. All right, I'm going to sign back out and come back in then, all right? All right, we'll see you in a minute. Um, so then the next segment that we get uh, after that is uh, uh, we get, uh, you know, William Patrick Corgan in in the booth with Sky and Galley, and at least we know we're not going to get a whole lot of Austin Idol yelling and screaming. But you know he's not he's not a very good commentator either. 
Um, I kind of wish that the the president would just stick to behind the scenes stuff uh, because he he has a way of making trying to explain things, but then like I feel like he's mansplaining them to me. It's like I get it, dude. I get it. You don't have to fill me in on the nuances. I've been watching the show. We all watch the show. We're paying to watch it. You don't have to fill us in on that. I can honestly tell you that I remember nothing he said other than the announcement for the match. Yeah. I mean, it's like if he spoke, my ears automatically turned off. Except for a couple of the references to, you know, uh, Velvet. That's how I feel about most Smashing Pumpkin songs. Anyways, um, then we get Nick Aldis versus Mike Bennett. And I was really excited about this match initially. Um, I talked about this on the pre-party. This was the second or third wrestling show I went to in 2020 during the right right before the pandemic. I got to go to a championship wrestling from Hollywood television taping. And then I went to a bar wrestling television tape or not television, just a bar wrestling uh, show. And so for 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, you know, somebody who gets to go to a lot of wrestling shows throughout the year, I was limited to three. And the third one was uh, at the Thunder Studios for their primetime live pay-per-view taping. And this match had been built up on social media through, uh, you know, the This Is Pro Wrestling podcast, the 10 Pounds of Gold that was airing on the NWA. I mean, this was a big moment for the NWA. It was almost like they were coming back through this montage of promos and all this other good stuff back in 2020 after they had basically taken a knee for the entire year after the global pandemic uh, really just kind of ruined wrestling for everyone. And so I, I was there. I, I, I did my COVID test. I had them stick the cotton swab up in my brain. And I was so excited to be at this show knowing that it was going to be Nick Aldis defending that 10 pounds of gold against Michael Bennett, a guy that I've seen in the WWE that I, I thought was an afterthought. And he proved to me that that night that he is a, he's a fighter. He's got the heart of a champion. And I was so blown away by how good Mike Bennett was outside of the WWE that when he was uh, featured more in primetime live matches, I, I became more enamored with his style of wrestling, that Boston uh, strong style, which I hate the city of Boston. So it pains me to say that, but uh, it was just such a cool thing to see Michael Bennett and, and Nick Aldis in that matchup. And so then this match is going to happen again, right here in the NWA, no title on the line, but I'm so excited to see it because they had such a great match on primetime live and they had a slew of problems at that live pay-per-view. So many things went wrong and it was still a pretty good match. And then we had this. Now I'm not saying that this was the worst match I'd ever seen, but I was disappointed. It didn't have a lot of time. Um, I, it felt very rushed. And um, for that, I, I, I I mean, I thought that's what the big beef was the first time that they wrestled, that they didn't have enough time and they had to rush through things. This felt even more rushed than that. Um, It was still a good match, but not great. I still enjoy seeing Mike Bennett, and I would have liked to see more. Uh, DCAM, how do you feel about this one? Uh, I don't know how you screw up Aldis versus Bennett twice, but somehow it's been done. Yeah. And I don't know who's responsible for it, but... 
I mean, when they meet two things, I absolutely did not like about this match. One, the very first move is Bennett hits his head on a on a turnbuckle, something where you can have a guy pound someone's head into a turnbuckle for a count of ten. Somehow they recover and you know go on two minutes later. But this affected Bennett the entire match. So he was loopy and out of it. So that already damaged the match as far as falling. Two, Bennett hits his big finisher in the spear, and Nolan's kicks out. And it's like, why? Why would you do that? And although they supposedly had a thing of, oh, you know, is for the end, is Bennett going to tap? Can Nick last long enough in you know the hole because of his hurt leg or whatever it was, you know, to tap Bennett or not, or blah blah blah. It really came across just more as a Nick Aldis dominant match, which I don't think we needed that in this match. Again, we're looking at two guys who are supposed to be faces but I didn't really want to cheer for either one of them. Like, I wanted to see this. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see Bennett pile drive Nick Aldis. I wanted that match to be a lot more competitive than it was. And uh, it just wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't very good. And that made me sad. I mean, honestly, that's, that's, that's not a hyperbole thing. I mean, I was literally sad after the match. I, I, you know, I, I felt the same way. Sounds like uh, listening to you guys describe this entire event and pretty sad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I will say this, the episode of Power in its entirety to me was a lot better than the episode of USA. Um, but I felt like this match deserved better than what it got. Um, and it, now to the point I wanted to make earlier about Nick Aldis, you know, famously William Patrick Corgan said, hey, he's all out of title shots. If he wants to get it back in line, he's got to earn it. So he's he's now gone on to wrestle Arya Dabari, which I don't know if that helps other than just having a win under your belt. He beat Jordan Clearwater last week. This week he's beating Michael Bennett. Um, presumably he's going to face Brian Myers on a future episode of Power. I just kind of – I'm enjoying the fact that they didn't just hot shot him back into the title picture – and at least from a storyline standpoint, he is earning this oppor- opportunity to get back into the title picture. Yeah, I still don't want him to be the next champion. I think there's too many other people that need to run with the title. Pope. And uh, 100% on that. You know. I don't mind if he wins the title back one day and I don't mind if he wins it back as a face or wins it back as a heel or whatever. I just, it's going to sound weird. I don't want a Ric Flair 1980s. I mean, I understand why the title is kept on Flair so much, but I think in some ways it also hurts some people because there's nobody who was really a credible champion during that time. And so there's, 
it made it hard to believe that there was anybody who could be a credible champion at that time. You know, when Dusty Rhodes, when Kerry uh, Von Erich first, you know, holds it for 18 days, uh, Dusty holds it for 14 days, Ronnie Garvin holds it for a month and a half, maybe two months, something like that, and doesn't defend it for 40 days, despite the fact he continued to defend the title. And just didn't get any credit for it. And, uh, uh, you know, Ricky Steamboat, three months. So it was just one of those. Yeah, it didn't work well. Well, you know, it's your point, too. I mean, even in the modern day, right? It's kind of like the whole Adam Pierce deal, right? So Adam Pierce wins the title in Bayman, Puerto Rico, on I believe it was on like October second, twenty seven or two thousand seven. Uh, then he drops the belt to um, to uh, 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 Albright, Brent Albright, the shooter. Thank you, Albright. It has a, a couple of big matches, but nothing too big. Then 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 uh, Pierce wins the title again. Then there was a long break between Pierce from the second run and the third run which was filled with Blue Demon, who wasn't as active as Adam Pierce, but still defended the title with some regularity as world champion. And then when when Pierce uh, loses the title, uh, he loses it to Cabana. Cabana has it for a hot minute, then loses it to the Sheik. Then the Sheik uh, forfeits it. Where does the title go back to? Back to Pierce. Then Pierce loses it to Cabana for a second time. And then where does it go back to? Eventually, it goes back to Pierce uh, during, you know, well, it's a post. I mean, technically it does during the seven levels of hate. Um, of course, the, the final match isn't, uh, is no longer sanctioned and the belt ends up being left uh, in Australia. But the, the point I was trying to make is they kept putting the title back on Pierce because he was a proven commodity. I get it. But I, th- I feel like if Cabana would have had given more time, he could have done something with that belt. Uh, obviously, Blue Demon Jr. had the time and just didn't materialize the way I think they had hoped for. Um, I feel like you got the belt on Cardona. Give him some time. It doesn't have to be on Nick Aldis. And when it's time to take the belt off of Cardona, when he's done everything there is that he can do for the brand, maybe maybe the Pope. Maybe a second time on Trevor Murdoch. It doesn't have to go back on Aldis. And that doesn't mean that Aldis has to go away either. And I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying, let's let us let it breathe. We went almost, what, uh, four years of Nick Aldis almost world champion the entire time. Let it breathe. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, we saw with Dusty Rhodes – you don't have to be the champion to be like one of the top guys in the company. And, uh, but Dusty also had that thing of having, you know, held the title two times before, even though his first reign was only like five days, but the second one was close, you know, was two and a half months and he actually went places and he actually defended the title. And so, you know, you did look at him as, you know, the strong potential challenger. I think 
Dusty screwed himself in 1986. He won the title. He only held two weeks. Uh, then he had Baby Doll turn on him. Then, you know, he had the first blood match where he was fighting for Maggie T.A. because, you know, that was the car accident. And he lost. Oh, and I remember that. I remember when he lost the title. I didn't even know he was booking at the time. But when he lost the title, you know, the thing where he's fighting for Magnum TA, blah, blah, blah. I just remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm over him. <laughs> and I mean, I was serious. I was over him at that point. And, uh, you know, he stuck around for another two years before he got in trouble with the Turner executives and got fired. But it was just a... Uh, uh, anyway, my point is... <laughs> Did you get you lost in your own point? Yeah, you can't be a, a top guy without having the world title. I would... I don't know that I want all this to go win the national championship or the TV championship, although I wouldn't be against it. Uh, I would. I wouldn't mind seeing him with the world tag team championship. I think that would be a good fit for him if he had a good partner. Well, and, and so let me just say this because I said it on the pre or maybe I didn't say it on the pre party. Maybe I said it on the discord forum, but they had this perfect storyline built for Nick Aldis to keep him away from the title. They could have put him and Doug Williams as the British invasion, which that was the original plan to put him in the Crockett cup and to keep him away from the world, the world heavyweight title and just put him in that tag team division and him and Doug Williams, instead of him and uh, Doug Williams and Harry Smith could have gone through the Crockett cup and won. And then you could have put them in that match with La Rebellion. And then you could have put the tag titles on, on Doug Williams and Nick Aldis and had it separate. And this whole beautiful thing, giving Nick Aldis these accolades of winning the Crockett Cup, adding to the legacy of that is Nick Aldis in the NWA, putting the world tag team title on him, again, putting like such prestige on him without having him ever, ever wrestle for the world's heavyweight championship in this time. And eventually, sure, they'll lose that title. Eventually, they'll lose the you know the tag titles, and then that's the time that he can go pursue the world's heavyweight championship, whether it be Matt Cardona, Trevor Murdoch, the Pope, or you know John Cena. At that point, you have time, and it makes sense. But for them to you know they 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 threw all that out the baby in the bad bathwater and put that match with Aldis and. Cardona and it just they just ruined everything they had it perfectly set up and they they botched it um that match didn't have to happen at Crockett Cup that match could have happened anywhere anytime afterwards um if anything Murdoch should have had the rematch at Crockett Cup if you weren't going to put the Pope in it so yeah and I would agree with that it was like if the decision and I I actually do believe this because of the way some of the things were done. If the decision was made last minute to put the title on uh, Cardona at Power Trip instead of the pay-per-view, which was originally planned from what I understood, 
was the mistake was immediately putting all this back in the title picture. Agreed. And I suppose they did it so that they could get people talking because I think that helped the it helped the narrative that they were hot shotting Cardona, and, you know, so they could swerve and everything like that. But it wasn't needed. I think if you would have gotten this Trevor Murdoch that's come back and just kicked everybody's ass. And again, this is a problem when our tapings are the way they are. Yeah. Because they don't have a chance to build to any of this. But if you had a chance to build to it, then you have, you know, then you could see like a different match. And, you know, you still could have brought Jeff Jarrett out to referee. You still could have had the same screwy type of finish. Everything. You, in fact, you could have had Nick Aldis be the one that came out. And, you know, screwed up the thing for for Murdoch. And uh, even though he didn't do anything, he would take the blame for the disqualification or whatever. If you just had to get Aldous in there in some way. But look, it's it is what it is. And the match was what it was, which was done. What, what what are we talking about? What's next? What happened? <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time talking about Mr. Nick Aldis. Uh, then we get uh, the backstage with uh, Matt Cardona, with Mae Valentine, who's collected herself quite well. Um, Matt Cardona basically says that he's he's dodging Nick Aldis. Get back at the end of the line. Uh, there is no express pass for you, Mr. Aldis. And uh, it just... It, he also kind of dismissed uh, Trevor Murdoch as being a, a contender for the title as well. So it just, uh, again, another promo that didn't really, wasn't really necessary. Didn't really do a whole lot. Is uh, this where he talked about bringing in somebody? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Cardano's not much different than Corgan when it comes to my ears. As as they start talking, my ears start stop hearing. <laughs> and so, you know, I catch things here and there and sort of and kind of and maybe and no and whatever you want. But, you know, it's like I want Cardona to hold the title, but I don't. I'm not still not a fan of him as being champion. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got two contradictory things. Hey, by the way. I looked this up earlier and then forgot about it because we were talking about it. Uh, Reigns in the NWA. Longest current reign is Camille for the Women's Championship at 333 days. Uh, second longest reign is Tyrus at around 332 days, depending on when he won it. Next is the Hex, who won it at Empower at 250 days. Then Rebellion, La Rebellion. At 249 days, who won it at the at the 73rd anniversary show? Right. And then, man, there's a big jump because Cardona's next at 82 days, and then Homicide and Dane are both at 46 days, having won it at Crockett Cup Night Two. That makes sense. And so, you know, 
the three bottom ones, they need some stability. So, especially the national championship, which is often a hot potato. Yeah. So I'm hoping Dane holds it for a while. And then you look up, it's time for probably Law Rebellion to drop. I don't know. The Hex, there's no credible women tag team titles, uh, contenders in the NWA except for Hex. I halfway expected uh, uh, the Briscoes to win the titles uh, last week. I thought they would, and somebody pointed out, of course, they were an impact and stuff like that. And some of these people, I don't know where their priorities are. My guess is impact probably pays better and give you more dates. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just my thing. So, uh, Tyra certainly needs to lose the title. And we'll talk about that coming up. Well, let's, let's get to it. Let's, let's keep going on. Cause, uh, we're starting to get a little late here in the in the evening. Um, next up, we have a no disqualification match, which again, uh, I don't know why you go no disqualification for just a straight up tag match. We mentioned this earlier with a triple threat match. There's no reason to do it. Why do it? If it was for, uh, you know, if this was a blood feud, if this there had been a lot of steam building up here, but this was nothing. This was just a regular tag team match. In fact, Billy said the rude dudes wanted to be tag team champions and were demanding a shot. And Billy said, well, you got to beat somebody worthwhile before I give you a title shot. So he put him in the match with the rude dude or with the fixers, uh, which again, silly. It made it no disqualification, which again, silly. If it's an ODQ match and I'm wrestling the fixers, why don't one of these guys have a chair and start smashing these dudes up to get that easy win? Again, it just doesn't continuity doesn't make sense. Storyline doesn't make sense. Um, but nevertheless, the match was fun. I'm not gonna say it was a good match. It was a fun match. There was a lot of spots that I, I know that they blew, and some things were like over exaggerated. Like uh, uh, Jamie Stanley was rolled up as a in a pin, and then he kicks out and the the velocity of the kickout literally drives Jay Bradley through the second rope to do a tope suicida on his tag team partner there, Wrecking Ball Ligurski. Uh, so stuff like that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but the vic- the fixers get another victory, and I felt like that was a good victory for them to get. Uh, first thing, Mr. President of the company, never trash one of your own talents for teams. But he does, constantly. You don't. Jim Ross, I've told this before, but Jim Ross tells the story of getting in trouble in uh, Mid-South when he made a comment about one of the enhancement talents and whatever. And uh, Bill Watts jumped all over him and said, you don't make anybody who wrestles on, you know, on my TV sound anything less than uh, a worthy person. Because otherwise, why would I have them? Right. And so, uh, take a lesson, all right? Mr. Corian, don't trash your own talent. Two. No DQ. Jake knows where this is going. Lazy booking. That tip to Jim Cornette. Three, at least the fixers won. 
before that kick out you're talking about was the stupidest thing I've seen in a long time. Five, you're basically right. It wasn't a great match, but it was fine. But is it just me or between USA and this episode of Power, were there like more botches than ever? There was a lot of botches. Um, can, can I teach you guys something important? No. They are recording for TV. I don't know if this is common knowledge or not, but you know you could edit stuff? What? Yes, I know. It's not like this program that we just kind of botch it all the way through and, and then people like us for some reason. You could actually edit things out. Things that are not good. Use certain other camera angles. That's why when you when you have a um, production truck, a good production truck is recording at all angles. They may show things if they're switching live, but they have the ability to later edit that so they could put something, even a, even a shot of the crowd, so you don't see botches. Um, again, if you're going to put money out for television, this see, I think the problem is it's not on real television. This is something that they're putting on some kind of free thing that they're getting paid for. Um, if they were on television... 30 seconds of television time is worth more than all of our houses combined on a major network. And they wouldn't be putting this stuff on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Television time on a major network. They're expensive. And 30 seconds for television time is a lot of money. And if they were actually paying to be on television and they're putting this on, then they're morons because you want to make everything you can. You're putting that much money out for television. You want to make everything out. So same thing. They're paying for a taping. They're paying for a crew. They're paying for a production crew. They're paying for referees. They're pay paying for everything. Why are they not using this time to maximize their investment? I I don't know if it's them missing Lugana or more. Marquez or the two of them in combination, but they have no TV production at the moment. And I think this goes back to when we're talking about men's in the 60-second challenge. There's no one that sits, there's no one doing this that goes, oh, hell no. No, no, we, we got to do something about this. And so, I mean, Jim Cornette would have got away with his, you know, chicken joke in Ethiopia that been into the current thing. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's they they need somebody that does real production, and I don't know who's doing it. And I'm sorry if I'm who to whomever I'm insulting, but we need better. Well, I mean, okay, so it, it's 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 Billy, the other Billy, and and the other Billy is a protege of Dave Marquez, but you know he directed the tv he didn't produce the tv and th there's a big difference there the production is what's lacking it's not the direction it's the production and i feel like they're hurting because of guys like lagana guys like marquez uh weren't weren't replaced you know um and it's not an insult at kyle davis it's not an insult at at joe galley it's not an insult to, to billy it's it's you need somebody that, that knows what they're doing and for those out there in the audience that may not know, and I'm sorry, I don't want to mansplain, but I'm going to here for a second. The director is the one that controls the cameras and the angles during the show. So the director is like, you know, camera one, you know, get camera one ready. Okay, camera one. 
get, you know, get camera two ready, switch to camera two. And they're the ones that are moving, you know, which camera you're seeing things out of and stuff like that to make sure the tape, you know, for the taping. Cause you know, sometimes you'll see it even by one of the other camera guys, you'll see, you know, a camera guy walking, his camera's hanging down because he's not recording at that moment. And that's what the director does. The director kind of controls the scene of what's going on. Hey, time for someone to come out, you know, all that stuff. The production behind the scenes production is where they sit there and they look at the tape that they got and they're listening to the audio they got, which is recorded separately than the tape, than the action. And they match them up. And that's when, you know, Jim Cornette says a chicken joke that probably it's going to be offensive in today's market. And you go, cut that. And they literally cut, they, they literally will like have, that'll be channeled and they'll literally turn that part out. Yeah. And, and then the production one's the one that may watch five takes of a promo and go, and go, well, on this one, he did real good at the beginning. On this one, he did real good at the end. But both of them are screwed in, you know, the opposite directions. So we're going to find a place to cut those and put them together. You know, we'll focus the camera on May and, you know, in, in transition between those two. A good example in the music world is go listen to Strawberry Field Forever from John Lennon and know that that's two different songs that changes about a minute and six seconds into it. So that's what a director does versus what a producer behind the scenes production does. And they're lacking in that behind the scenes production. They're lacking in having somebody there to watch the promos and stuff that goes on behind the scenes and say, Hey, no, don't do that. They're lacking the, the directors who would have liked who would cut something that was on the front and that would sit there and go, you know, Jim Cornette brings up the challenger exploding and everything stops and shuts down and they yell, Hey Jim, go talk to Dusty wants to talk to you. So he walks back to the production truck and Dusty goes, Don't mention the challenger kid. <laughs> and then you walk out back to the studio and you do that promo again and you don't mention the challenger. <laughs> And so it's it's that type of stuff that we're talking about when we talk about the production being bad or you know whatever they sh- they have the opportunities to redo these they have the pro- opportunities to edit these and they're not or at least not in a good way and they're not having experienced people for the pro on the promos who can sit there and go no stop start again especially behind the scenes. <laughs> There's a All lot right. of guys in Ring of Honor right now out of work in production that could probably be an improvement on what the NWA has. There's a lot of wrestlers that are not currently working for uh, All Elite Wrestling and any of their 20 other promotions are running at the same time uh, that can possibly be brought in, that it could be positive additions. There's an old, wives, an old wise comment I used to hear all the time is true perfection is when you not, it, true perfection is not when you have nothing left to add, but when you have nothing left to take away. Well, there's a lot that could be taken away from this, this product to be making it a lot better. That's true. Um, but let's get back to the, to the show because 
I mean, we've been uh, talking for some time here. We're almost at two and a half hours here. So let's try to get through this pretty quickly. Uh, next up, we have the Pope with Kyle Davis. Um, again, one of the highlights of every show that the Pope is on is those promos. He gives such an impassioned speech. Uh, and, and we kind of knew what he'd be saying. Like, you, you know, yeah, he lost his, his opportunity against Matt Cardona. He's down, but he's not out. That he, you know, he rides the highs, he rides the lows. Uh, but he will be back, and he will challenge for that title once again. Um, I That's what I wanted to hear from the Pope. I wanted to hear that he wasn't going anywhere, that he's not hanging it up, that he is going to try to get another opportunity to wrestle against Matt Cardona or whomever the 10 pounds of gold uh, holder of the 10 pounds of gold is. Uh, I like the promo. DK, what did you think? Yeah, that's how you do it. I mean, he he should be teaching promos. Mim should be literally riding in the car with the Pope to try to learn how to be that good at cutting a promo. From them to be riding in the car, though, they'd have to have an event that they'd have to be going to together. <laughs> so uh, maybe, maybe you could ride to the uh, Dairy Queen or something like that between tapings. That's the only time I'll get to any car time with, with uh, the Pope. That's a good point too. Um, you know, I know, ter- I know territories are dead. But I almost wish that Billy would run a circuit. It doesn't have to be a big circuit, and it doesn't have to be taped. But just you know, get these guys out there. Yeah. Get them Again, the experience. Back back to the, what we were talking about earlier. If if the NWA did some cooperation with Wildcat or did cooperation, I mean they are doing it with Tried and True, but make it on a more regular basis. And even when it's not an NWA show, having NWA talent appear, these would be opportunities to help your roster get better, especially guys who seemingly are going to be around for a while. I mean, look, father time will make a fool out of all of us, but as of right now, the Pope looks great and his time in the NWA has been very uh, fruitful. I mean, why, why not take advantage of it? Um, All right. Next, next uh, segment uh, is the body slam challenge. Um, again, this whole gimmick thing was a great way to keep uh, Tyrus on TV without actually having him defend the title. Uh, they only did one other uh, gimmick before this where Sion got distracted by Austin Idol reporting that he is his father. Um, whatever. On attempt three, Mims body slams Tyrus. And it wasn't, the, I mean, this is where you look at Mims and be like, man, this guy's got potential. Look at what he just did. We know that Tyrus isn't a small guy. He's not Yokozuna, but he's a pretty big dude. And Mims isn't Lex Luger, but slamming Tyrus is pretty significant because we haven't seen it done in the NWA. And for him to pick him up and slam him the way that he did, it it, it wasn't just a, you know, I got you, I drop you. He held him there for a minute, maybe not a minute, but you know what I'm saying. It was more than just a few seconds. Good moment for the Mims. Sets, sets up, uh, of course, it sets up... Uh, I have the graphic here. Let me get the graphic because we're professional here. It sets up the first match announced for the pay-per-view always ready. We got a world's television title match live on pay-per-view on Saturday, June the 11th in Knoxville at the Knoxville convention center. Mims will challenge the world television champion. Tyrus. DK, what were your thoughts on that one? Uh, first thing, I'm glad the challenge only went through two people. And in a way, I think that was a nice swerve because I think none of us were expecting Mims to slam Tyrus. I was, it caught me off guard. And so, but they did a good, 
this was a good swerve, a good surprise. Wasn't expecting it. And it looked well. I mean, you know, the first time Tyra just basically shoved him away. The second time he clocked him with an elbow or whatever, which is what kind of set in motion the movement with them with the Tyrus moving and was able to pick him up, hold him uh, long enough to be impressive and slam him down. You know, he never got him in the typical body slam position, but he had him up and slammed him, which what the contest called for. And, uh, he didn't pull his hair, hold his tights like Austin Idol was screaming afterwards and, uh, everything. But I'm going to say this. It means nothing if Mims doesn't win the title. Yeah. I mean, nobody will care about this the day after the pay-per-view if Mims loses. Yes. So, you know, we're saying they probably need some activity with the television title. They probably need somebody who can take the television title back to what it kind of was under Pope, which is, you know, maybe defended every two to three weeks on the show. So Strike while the iron's hot, too. Like, don't... I know the pay-per-view is a couple weeks away, but, like, don't let this momentum drop. Keep, yeah. I, you know, it's already filmed. All this is already in the can, but start... Uh, please have Mim start doing stuff on TV to build towards this match. Yeah, hopefully they will. And it's like, good stuff. I mean, I don't care if Tyrus gets his heat by beating him up or something like that, but, you know, that's at least something that, you know, you want to see Mims come back. But again, it only matters if Mims wins. Right. This can't be, and I don't care if it's a screw job or a draw or whatever. You will kill Mims if you do not a title on. And so you put yourself in a corner now. Hopefully your plan from the beginning was to get out of that corner. Yeah. You know, here's hoping, right? But um, let's let's get to the next segment because we're running out of time. Uh, we get May Valentine, who again, looking like she's, uh, she's over uh, the loss that she had with Aaron Stevens. Uh, she's in the back with Matt Taven and Genocide. Now, I get why they do two at a time because they're trying to uh, speed through the process, but I wish they would still do these separately one at a time and just find something else to cut out that didn't need to be on there. Uh, well, we you can Matt bring Taven. them in separately. At least. I don't like them standing next to each other. Yeah. Um, we get Matt Taven in the back with genocide. Uh, May says that they both have some big news and Taven does his shtick that he is I and I am him. Um, uh, basically, that he wants a shot at the 10 pounds of gold. He's throwing his name in the hat. And the same thing that uh, they're telling Nick all this is the same thing they told Matt Taven. If you want a shot at the gold, you got to rack up some W's. Uh, so next week, he's going to be facing Judas one-on-one, and they've never met before. They've never been in the match before. So uh, this will be a first-time meeting for the two of them. Um, and then Genocide also went to the uh, management asking for a shot at the Burke. And uh, next week, she'll be in a match with Killian King and Chelsea Green to set up a number one contender for the Burke. Now, we saw Killian King uh, last, or a couple weeks ago, uh, with a huge victory over 
Natalia Markova that basically jettisoned her to the top of the rankings. Chelsea Green's been hanging around. Not uh, not really a lot of big wins for Chelsea Green, but obviously, uh, you know, they're going to play if the whole Cardona's are, you know, shifting the deck uh, with the front office. So um, they have a couple of big matches set up for next week with Taven and Judeus. And then, of course, the women's number one contender spot for uh, uh, Genocide, King, and Chelsea Green. So that should be uh, two really good matches for next week. Then we go to the – oh, uh, real quick, DK, what are your thoughts on those two matches? I mean, I don't think I care about Taven versus Judias, but not for Taven, for you know, Judias. Sure. And uh, – but yeah, I'm, I mean, former ROH World Champion. It would make sense for him to want to challenge for the NWA World Championship, and that you know that would be a good thing. He he's a credible opponent, so you get him a few quality wins, and then sure, I'm all for him challenging. Uh, not the pay per view, but you know, no, no, no. But but just in general. I mean, uh, it builds up the right way, but yeah, not yet. They haven't done anything, but uh, you know, the women's match. You know, we've seen Chelsea Green a couple times in title matches, so this is kind of one. Okay, she's had her chances. She's no longer the darling uh, face coming out of WWE after being shafted. She. She's a car down and down, so her time's kind of for challenging for the world championship is done for now. You know, they want to build her up again in a year, that's fine. But for now, she's kind of done. So then this genocide or uh, what's the other one? Killian Killian. King. Killian King. Uh, I would rather see genocide win just because Camille and genocide had a really good match about what a year ago how long has it been uh yeah about a year ago actually yeah you know we said at the time we weren't ready for a rematch that time but you know they did some stuff i don't know if they've done a good job building up genocide but you know you put her in the number one contenders match certainly don't don't mind seeing a world title match between the two of them and you know the first one was good hopefully this one would be good but you know Camille's going to win, you would expect, but that's okay. Yeah. I just thought of something, guys. What's that? We got genocide, and if you call Killian King, isn't that regicide? Maybe. Killing killing the king? Regicide? I'll be here all week, guys. Dry the fish. Yeah. Uh, I don't need fish. Anyway. And that'll conclude this week's podcast. Goodbye, everyone. Exactly. (laughs) But... Anyway, you know, my point is the same. I mean, I think un- unlike Aldous, who we all kind of got sick of, they're using Camille just enough to where we're happy to see her yes. and we want her, and we want her to, her to continue as champion. Which I think the for- that should be the formula for all of the champions. Like, it's, it's simple. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. They're doing it right with Camille. They just need to do that with everybody. Um, Amen, brother. Yeah, so that sets up. Uh, we go. We go to the um, back to uh, Billy Corgan, and he he uh, says that uh, 
I kind of, I'll be honest, this one was a little confusing for me, so you guys can help me out with this one. But it sounds like they're setting up next week where Billy scheduled a six-man tag team match with the Commonwealth Connection and Nick Aldis versus the Cardonas. And I don't know if that was for some sort of number one contender spot or something, but. Uh... Yeah, Billy rambled in a way that, you know, again, causes my ears to tune out. Yeah. But if I understood what he was saying, it was something. Taven in his interview, where my ears also turn out, apparently said something about they're not being top challengers, you know, in the NWA. So it's like he was making this match. And I'm assuming it's so that all this can get a pinfall over Cardona or something or get him to tap or, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever the case is. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't say um, it has the potential to be a good match because of the talent that's in there, but I can't say I'm looking forward to it. Right. And like, look, anytime we get Harry Smith on my TV, Doug Williams on my TV. I'm excited about that. I'm sure that they'll have something fun and interesting in that match. Uh, that brings us to the main event. Angelina Love joins the commentary team for the main event, which was kind of weird. Um, her and, and, and Velvet kind of do this weird embrace. Uh, Velvet says that Angelina Love is her BFF forever. Called her the PIC, which I don't even want to try to guess what that means. Um, and not that I have a problem with people's body shapes or anything like that. I, I should not speak because uh, I am a hefty dude. But maybe it's time for her to start retire, you know, maybe retire the crop top shirts and go with the full shirt that covers the stomach. Um, just a point of something I noticed. Uh, anyways, we get Kenzie Page versus Mickey James. Now, a couple weeks back, Mickey James said something about wrestling Natalia Markova. But here she is wrestling Kenzie Page. Uh, I don't hate the matchup. Kenzie Page has gotten better every week that I see her. And, of course, Mickey James is a goddamn legend. Can't, can't, there's nothing else to say. She's a great woman's wrestler. Recently promoted to being a co-host on Busted Open Radio with Tommy Dreamer and David LaGreca. So I'm sure at least the fans of the NWA will be happy because she will probably be plugging more NWA uh, content on that show. Um it was a solid match. Uh, you know, the right person won. It's, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think Angelina Love said it. There's no shame in a loss to Mickey James, which I think is like probably the smartest thing I heard throughout the whole, uh, announcing. Um, it was a, it was a solid match, but of course, Mickey James got the victory. Um, not bad, but it was just whatever. I don't think I would have made it my main event, and the match went a lot longer than I thought it should. Yeah. I mean, my first thought was, this isn't a main event match. I don't know why you put it in the main event spot. But then something happened. Let me tell you all a story about a man named Jed. Poor Mountaineer really kept his family. Oh, no, wait a minute. That was terribly up, at least. Today, I was listening to one of my favorite wrestling podcasts, which are a little bit biased towards AEW. But they were pretty critical of last night's AEW show, especially the last 30 minutes, especially the women's uh, angles that were on it. And they closed out the show with two women centric things. One was uh, Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb doing a live 
promo that didn't go over very well and they didn't mesh very well. Talking about their upcoming world title match, I guess. And then the next one was a match between uh, Mercedes Martinez and Deanna Perrazzo. Right. And the match was fine. It was a good match. But they did nothing to build it. They did nothing to make it sound special. There weren't even video packages. Deanna Perrazzo never wrestled in AEW before. She wasn't in WWE long enough to get any type of following. And let's face it, Impact ain't what it is. Was I mean, gets what hundred thousand viewers a, a week, sometimes under, sometimes over, and uh, they did they did nothing to sell the match. And I actually watched this after. I, I was curious about it because they were talking about how the crowd just you know had polite applause for it, and I'm watching it, and I mean they are they're just sitting there watching this match, which was, I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't blow away, but, you know, it was a good match. And I started thinking to myself, you know, I don't know that this match was any better than what I watched on NWA Power between Mickey and Kenzie Page. (laughs) Certainly neither one of them should have been a main event, but, you know, Mickey is a legend and star and veteran. She needs to work with these young girls. She needs to wrestle, you know, and then she needs to, you know, critique them after the match and, you know, help them. That's, that's why you have people like her in there to wrestle. And it's, it's proof again. The point I'm trying to make is that first of all, that match was as good as the main event on AEW. And it's also proof that you have to promote. You have to be a promoter. You have to get people excited. You have to make people want to see something. AEW fans who are very into the Young Bucks or former WWE stars that they feel have been done wrong, they don't know who Deanna Prazo is. They're not going to get excited about Deanna Prazo. It's not going to do anything for them. If you don't tell us who she is, if you don't explain that she's a, you know, former Impact champion, she's a former Triple A women's champion. I mean, they have the Triple A tag team champions. Their fans know what, you know, Triple A is. If you go, hey, you know, man, she just recently held the Triple A women's championship, whatever they call it, the Queen of Queens title. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you go, you know, she, you know, she won this prestigious belt. I mean, their main events uh, for a belt from another promotion, and they just had their women's champion on there. And it's like, okay, here's the real champion, and now here's the title match for another promotion's world title, even, even though we own the promotion. And uh, it's just, you got to get out there. You got to book. You got to be a promoter. You got to walk. Jaden will tell you, working for Dr. C, one of the things he does is walk and walk and walk and walk and walk to get flyers out, to get people to do it. And I know we're running late, and I'm sorry, but I'm 
on a moment. To people, these things aren't easy. And you need to take them seriously. And Billy needs to start taking this a little more seriously. He needs to figure out what product he wants to put out there. Does he want to put it? He said it on the show, something about we're wrestling. Okay. Why do I have a gimp? Why do I have Judas? Judas. Uh, you know, Aaron Stevens at least can be a compelling character when he wants to be. He's he about the only comedy. Him. He's about the only comedy you really need on the show. You know, come on. You are not going to be. I don't care who your champion is. I don't care if it's the most over person on social media. You're not going to grow. You're not going to become big. You're not going to do anything. Wrestling fans, casual wrestling fans, have no idea who the fuck Matt Cardona is. The only people who know who Matt Cardona is are people who are in the wrestling business and may or may not watch a show anyway. So you better start doing something. You better start taking risk. Uh need to stop the BS. You know, you mentioned earlier someone talking about tires. Oh, well, he's offended a title around the world and you can't prove he hasn't. Yeah, I can prove he hasn't on this very show. Billy said it. You know, they said with Billy there, he's defended the title five times in 11 months. Don't give me crap. I respect you, brother, but don't give me crap. Don't feed me shit and tell me it's a gourmet steak. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. So, Billy, get your head in the game, dude. Get a booker. You can guide the overall principles. You can guide the overall ideas. Get a booker. Get someone to watch these guys as they as they do their promos. Who can guide them? Get a producer, a real a real television post production person, and start making something of it. Because otherwise, however long you do this, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get people interested. Sorry, Chris or whoever always asks, what does the NWA need to do to grow? More. Yeah. <laughs> and be better. And I don't want to hear whiny things like, well, first you guys say you don't like this, and then they do that, and you say you don't like that either. Yeah, what I want is for it to be good. You can't just do this or that and have it be bad and then say, have it make sense. Have it be good. Follow up. Consistency. You were talking about the bad things. You know, let's do some. You got the talent now. You can't make that excuse anymore. So, you know, get your head out your ass. Pay attention to what you're doing. Or you're just another, you're a millionaire playing with his toys. Just like the billionaire who plays with his toys. So I'm gonna stop you. There. Rant over. <laughs> I'm gonna stop you there, Mr. DK, because it's it's getting it's getting late. Um, real quick, uh, Mr. Jaden, is there anything you'd like to uh, promote before we go off the air? I do, but there's something I'd like to suggest or at least request. Is there a uh, 
Is there an NWA power coming up where they do like the recap show and they don't really show anything? Uh, they kind of stopped doing those. They they have like new content now all the time. Uh, it sucks because what I would like to have done when we're not talking about power, I would like to just have a a broadcast where I break down what I would do for an NWA set of tapings if they're going to continue with a large amount of tapings. What I would do to run if I was running the production and running the booking and everything because there's so many simple solutions and just listening to you guys, it come with like ideas that how I would do it in like 30 seconds are way better than anything out there. And I'm not trying to be an armchair booker, but honestly, I think a blind monkey can write Shakespeare and, and it'd be more likely than them booking good wrestling based on what you're telling me. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to talk about somebody who actually knows about wrestling and that's Dr. Lawrence Zirconium. Cause he has an event coming up on Saturday night, June 25th at the max fit sports center located at 240 Delcy drive South. In beautiful uptown rustic Glassboro, New Jersey, as Dangerous General Wrestling Gladiators presents the All American Bash. The main event has been signed. It's a rematch. New champion Eric Martin, Glassboro's own, will defend against former champion Ray Jazz. It is now a rematch. Both wrestlers have a chance to prepare for this, and you're going to see a great encounter. And exclusively here, listed for the Alliance Guys podcast, there is going to be. An I quit match between Ty Thomas and Nikos Rikos. The last two times they faced, Nikos Rikos cheated to win the first one, won the second one by disqualification when he got Ty Thomas so pissed off he wouldn't stop attacking him and he ended up pushing the ref out of the way. This time it's going to be loser leave town. I'm sorry, not loser leave town. I quit match. An I quit match for uh, between Ty Thomas and and Nikos Rikos signed exclusively, so you're hearing it now, before it was even announced anywhere. Plus, it, it signed for this event, Dark STG. STG is formerly known as Stephen Gibke of the Down Boys, former two-time dog tag team champion. He's um, going a little dark, and almost he's almost channeling his inner chance profit, and he is now signed to this event you're going to see a ton of great professional wrestlers all the way down. I say no day Scooby can can testify. You can actually hear a crowd that enjoys the wrestling and makes sounds and doesn't just clap. And I think everybody should come down or up or over or around or however you get to Glassboro, New Jersey on Saturday night, June 25th, Max Fit Sports Center, 240 Delcy Drive South in beautiful Glassboro, New Jersey. Tickets are only $20, but you're going to buy the entire seat. You're only going to need the edge. The edge. I'll tell you what, nothing makes me happier than hearing Jaden talk about an event. I mean, I get so excited listening to him talk. You I, should come. I, I, I do have one other small thing I want to say before Jay just shuts us off anyway. My camera's uh, about to die, so it is what it is. Yeah, uh, You'll notice that there was an event that was held on Saturday the 30th that we haven't talked about. None of us know the results to. None of us care what the results were. And there was nothing on the show that was of even the slightest interest. I, I just want to point that out. So, Jay, take us home or get rid of us or do whatever you're supposed to do at the end of the show. 
Ladies, gentlemen, thank you for your time this evening. We kept you later than we normally do, but we do appreciate you being here. It's one of the highlights of my Thursdays, and I hope it's one of yours too. Until next time, we'll see you at the matches. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.